This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good Monday morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Top of the morning to you. Man, have we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Holy cow. You know, just if all of the candidates would be quiet, we could just enjoy the Olympics. I'm proposing that we have a a stay in the uh, seemingly (laughs) execution, but it's really just a stay in the election. And let's just have fun with the Olympics for the next two weeks. To focus on international relations. Yes. Let's grow international relations. Let's help support uh, Brazil. Have a great Olympics. But instead, these candidates just keep talking, and it seems like the more they talk, ah, the more trouble they both get into. We'll be talking with Joe Cannon um, in just a few minutes, our Washington insider, about what's going on in politics and uh, why these candidates seemingly keep having these self-inflicted wounds. It just, just be quiet. Please, we'll be talking about that, plus headlines, of course, the latest, the greatest in uh, in what's going on around the country. We've got a lot to get going on, and um, plus it's Monday. And it's not just any Monday, it's World Wide Web Day. Who doesn't love surfing, but not on the sea, on the World Wide Web? We'll get to uh, Happy World Wide Web Day. Talk about that. Spider Man Day, Homemade Pie Day. We got a lot to talk about. Ah, another angel just got a piece of pie. We will uh, first, though, get to the headlines around the country. Find out what's happening there with Caitlin Thomas. Caitlin, thanks, Matt. A new poll out on Monday, so this morning from CBS News, revealed that in the last week, the Democratic presidential nominee has moved from being tied with Donald Trump in nationwide support to being ahead of him by seven points, 46 to 39 percent. Clinton's gain comes from a four-point bump in her support and a three-point drop in Trump's. The Democratic convention also seems to have provided the favorability boost Clinton had been hoping for. While just 31 percent of responders had a favorable view of her last week, 36 percent do now. Republican Donald Trump began accusing Democrat Hillary Clinton of tampering with the general election debate schedule over the weekend, tweeting, quote, as usual, Hillary and the Dems are trying to rig the debates. So two are up against the major NFL game, same as the last time with Bernie. Unacceptable. He continued that line of attack Sunday morning with a new story. Trump said the NFL also objects to the debate schedule he claims Clinton designed. A representative of the NFL promptly denied such a letter ever existed. And Sunday afternoon, Donald Trump backed off his claim to have received a letter from the NFL. A woman in her 30s was killed and four other people were injured in separate shooting incidents in downtown Austin, Texas yesterday. Austin police said that there were separate shootings within the same area. Both scenes are secure at this time. Two women and one man were taken to the University Medical Center Brackenridge for medical treatment. A hot air balloon hit high-tension power lines before crashing into a pasture in central Texas, killing all 16 on board, according to federal authorities investigating the worst such disaster in U.S. history. The crash site was near a row of high-tension power lines, and aerial photos showed an area of scorched land underneath. The NTSB will look at several factors, including reports of foggy weather, but is concentrating first on gathering evidence, such as witness statements. And over the weekend, Matt, Miss Teen USA was crowned. The the new Miss Teen USA, Carly Hay, will get to keep her crown 
Despite an outcry over tweets she once wrote using racist language, after she was crowned on Saturday night in Las Vegas, social media users found tweets containing the N-word linked to an account with Hayes' name. The Miss Universe organization, which owns the Miss Teen USA pageant, issued a statement yesterday chastising Carly Hayes' words, but also, quote, supporting her continued growth so the teen will get to keep her crown and title. Wow. There you have it. So congratulations and controversy all on the same day for Carly Hay. Oh, my heavens. Thank you. From one queen to another. And the top five in that competition? Yeah. Blonde, blue-eyed. All the top five. All of them. Everyone's like, well, and then uh, one of them's tweeting <laughs> racist comments. But they are teens. I mean, this yes. is the problem is, I mean, they're teens. They're developing. They're growing. So we need to just continue the development process. Is that, sounds like that's what they're saying. Okay. Uh, boy, we, we, we need a lot of people to continue the, the development process. Like, for example, it, if you haven't been paying attention, Donald Trump has picked a fight – not even really with Hillary. No. Not with Mr. Um, Kane. No. So of, of anybody from the convention. There was there were 60 people the first day. They all had something to say he about it. He could have him. picked a fight with any one of them. And then every, every following night, there was just 20, 30 people that spoke, and each one of them had something to say about Trump. And he picked this one guy to go after. He picks this one guy that's that's Muslim family who had a, a son that died uh, serving his country, our country. And um, it, it, now, but he would, he might say that that Kazir Khan actually picked the fight with him. This is what Kazir ended up saying in his speech with uh, the the Democratic National Convention. Donald Trump. You're asking Americans to trust you with their future. Let me ask you, have you even read the United States Constitution? I will gladly lend you my copy. As he holds up his personal copy. Have you ever been to Arlington Cemetery? Go look at the graves of brave patriots who died defending United States of America, you will see all faiths, genders, and ethnicities. You have sacrificed nothing and no one for this candidate for presidency to not be aware of the respect of a gold star mother standing there and he had to take that shot at her, this is height of ignorance. This is why I showed him that constitution. Had he read that, he would know what status a gold star mother holds in this nation. This country holds such a person in the highest regard. And he has no knowledge, no awareness. That is height of his ignorance. This person is total incapable of empathy. Mm. So, so this was the this was the debate. Kazir Khan bring talks about the fact that Donald Trump has sacrificed nothing. Um, he also, and then Donald Trump comes back with uh, basically this comment. 
How would you answer that, Father? What sacrifice have you made for your country? I think I've made a lot of sacrifices. Uh, I work very, very hard. I've created thousands and thousands of jobs, tens of thousands of jobs, uh, built great structures. I've done, I've had, I've had tremendous success. Uh, I think those I've are sacrifices. <laughs> those are sacrifices. Uh, then um, after the speech, uh, Mr. Trump, when Kazir Khan made his speech, Kazir, uh, Mr. Trump made a comment about he wants to hear from Kazir's wife. And um, that's what started this whole thing about Donald doesn't have any empathy. Why would he question Kazir's wife? I saw him. He was, uh, you know, very emotional and probably looked like uh, a nice guy to me. His wife, uh, if you look at his wife, she was standing there. She had nothing to say. She probably, maybe she wasn't allowed to have anything to say. You tell me, but plenty of people have written that. Mm. Again, an insinuation that, you know, maybe Muslim women can't talk. She's got nothing to say. He'd like to hear from her. No, he'll deny that. Yeah. That wasn't an insinuation. That wasn't an insinuation. She just spoke the fact. She didn't say a word. Yeah. And now later, the the uh, the, the the husband there, he yeah. said that she didn't speak because whenever the son is mentioned, she kind of falls apart. Whenever she sees this picture her. and she's standing there with this big picture yeah, of like her a son behind him, tall behind her. There. So Donald picks a fight with a Muslim American family who lost their son in the military, and then gets in a war with them about has he sacrificed? Yeah, I've sacrificed. I built buildings. I've have and then um, the, employing people and paying them apparently is a sacrifice is kind of what he was saying, right? Uh, okay, th- then it turned into a whole other debate because then the whole thing was about well, hold on. So the Democratic convention shows the shows a um, oh, how do you say that? It shows a Muslim American family with somebody that they lost in the war. Mm-hmm. The Republicans were showing stories of the Benghazi mother and who they who she lost because of Hillary Clinton's direct involvement. But CNN and those stations cut away during those and didn't even talk about those. So now there's this big battle between the media and using likewise during the Democratic uh, convention when there were topics that weren't necessarily what they wanted to talk about. Fox News moved away. So the, the, the same tactic web. was happening depending on what news network you watched. Yeah. That's what we've got to talk to Joe about is why this is not the discussion you want to be having. No. You don't want to have a fight with the parents of somebody that lost their child over who sacrificed more. There were plenty of politicians who were up there criticizing Donald Trump that he could have made comment about. But this is the one they went to where all he needed to say – is that you know we honor this family for their sacrifice we under, we can we we feel for their pain and move on yeah but instead he keeps going and you end up in this this fight that's not going to end because he's not going to stop you no. know what i mean no. he's there, he's he's going to get the last word and and i read somewhere yesterday <laughs> they're talking about his tactic is to outlast whoever he's having a disagreement with yeah. because he gets more tv time you you just can't you can't win this this father's not going to stop. No. And, and he actually – he was on and, uh, MSNBC earlier today about – it was it was fascinating because he feels compelled. They, they knew what they were doing by coming out and saying this. They just feel strongly it has to be said. Somebody has to – somebody from the Muslim world has to come out and say something because no, no one really – no one that's, that 
that tells the the story about like a Muslim family that came to America to be changed by America. Nobody was a great candidate for that until they stepped up and did it. Now, if you watch the Benghazi mom from the Republican convention and you watch this gentleman from the Democratic convention, both of them, people, their kids were serving. They lost. They were lost in, in in the service of the country type of thing. You you can't discuss them. You have to just let that hand, let that stand, honor their sacrifice, and move on. Yeah. Both sides. You can't uh, go after them like Hillary a handled candidate. it a little differently. Where she's like, "Well, yeah, I don't think she remembers exactly what I said, yeah. but I feel bad for her, so let's not talk about it anymore." Which was half half good. half good, half out, and then whatever. Let's just, just move on. Blah yeah. blah blah. But Donald just had a beat down. Yeah, there's too much emotion, and then it's. T- the, civilians in this you let them say what they want to say the politicians you go after because they're more of a well you know, now a that, that becomes another issue because now kazir khan is like there he's saying where are the republican leaders that would stand up for american families like ours they haven't like mcconnell yeah mitch mcconnell came out and he on he honored the family and they're but he didn't say anything about trump right right paul ryan similar thing they don't want to go near didn't, it didn't condemn trump so it's uh, it's it's just ugly. It's, it's ugly, and um, then, then the just the back and forth continues. So, but here's another thing that we've got to get to with uh, Joe Cannon. What's the independent race is becoming a little more interesting. A lot of people are thinking, yeah, this okay. I don't. I can't choose Trump because obviously he he he's crazy. Uh, some would say I can't choose Hillary because she's obviously corrupt. So. Mm-hmm. I've got to choose a third-party candidate. Some states, even like Utah, are thinking, man, maybe it's time to get into this third-party candidate. And But are they a viable candidate? I mean, they're a candidate, but are they someone you want to vote for? Yeah. We don't really get a lot of information right. about them, so, so we, need we have to, to promote, go find that. Maybe it's time that the media start highlighting a third-party candidate. They're not as fun, though. No. And, but, and they will, like Gary Johnson, the uh, the libertarian, he could make the debate if he gets to 10 or 12% yeah. of the vote. What is he at? Seven, seven yeah. and a half? Yeah. So, or uh, what? The Green Party, I forget her name, Jill something. But she's, Stein, is yeah. it? Yeah. So if she gets, again, 10, 12%, she could be on the stage too. Yeah, that's probably not going to happen. But for well, either of them, really. I mean, but, that's then, hard. but then the debates are now conflicting with the NFL, so I don't know if that's ever going to happen. It's a whole other thing. Because Hillary set it up. She's Trump, already set it up to Trump fail. Mayor got a letter, but then he didn't get a letter, and then, yeah. Trump and, says he got a letter from the NFL. The NFL's like, we didn't send him a letter. We didn't send him a letter. Well, I think he got his subscription. People, people are speculating. He was in Colorado over the weekend. He may have spoken to some NFL people while he was there. Uh, okay. Now, NFL meaning with the Broncos, not with the league. Right. right? Maybe That's, maybe they wrote him a letter. Or maybe someone on his campaign looked and went, wait a second, a Sunday and a Monday in the fall? Wow, that's probably the NFL season. That's it. That's all it comes well, down to. Well, and Donald, you know, is a big NFL guy. No, but that's fine. <laughs> but he makes a good point because he does. Hillary and Bernie Sanders, they, they set him up to have uh, all of these wonderful debates when no one would watch. To hide Hillary so that she would have an advantage. It seems like Hillary would want a large audience. Maybe that's why they're trying to steal the biggest audiences there are on Sundays and Mondays. Could be. Mm. One final clip before we go. Yeah. Clip 13, Bernie Sanders explaining his sour face during Clinton's acceptance speech. During the convention, when Hillary Clinton Clinton mentioned you, you looked like uh, you had a bit of a stoic look on your face. What was going through your mind? 
I always have that look on my face. <laughs> you know, it's nothing new. That's uh, I'm not always a smiley kind of guy. Uh, but I believed that uh, you know the convention was a was a very good convention. I thought that uh, Secretary Clinton's uh, speech uh, made some very very important points. Why did he have a sour look? Because he always has a That's sour look. That's just how I looked. Sorry, sour face here. You know, wow, what do you do? I want Bernie in the race. Sure, he's progressive and extreme, but boy, he makes it fun. And he's honest. You know why I have a sour face? I was having some heartburn. The chili dog was not sitting well with me. Anyway, we will uh, take a break when we come back. Joe Cannon will be with us talking about the election and uh, what is going on. Why are these candidates, you know, self-inflicting such wounds? Just be quiet. Stick with us, helping you understand uh, what's going on in the political world. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Bob Dylan equals Joe Cannon. Joe Cannon is our Washington insider. He's our good friend, and he helps us understand the political world and maybe some of the behind the scenes, what's going on. And of of all times to call Joe in, it's today. We're trying to figure out why all of these candidates keep self-inflicting. You know, they're doing all these moves that seem to be hurting themselves. So Joe is a uh, Washington insider in our minds. He's the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation, which is an organization that's helping to uh, lower fuel costs around the country. He's got a strong history in politics as a chairman of the Republican Party for the state of Utah. He was a candidate for the Senate in, uh, back in the day in 92 and also served in the Reagan administration and uh, was an editor of a, of a major um, morning paper here in uh, the Midwest, in the Intermountain West. So we appreciate you, Joe. How are you, my friend? Thanks for being with us. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. You bet. Man, okay. Uh, what do you think about Donald Trump and Kazir Khan, the battle of, of the father of a soldier that died? What is that all about? You know, uh, uh, wow. I know. Well, let's let's start. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like the guy gave a great speech. Yeah, the guy had a hero son. Um, why attack that? But on the other hand, we're talking about a guy who attacked a war hero. It's true, uh, John McCain, in a in a pretty terrible way. Uh, what what so point I, I is he know. making that? This is, I mean, the the cons seem like the perfect example of a health of a healthy Muslim American family that were drawn in by the love of or the opportunity of America. It's the perfect story. Uh, they lost a son tragically in the war, and then Donald jumped on. It. I guess because Kazir Khan made the comment that Donald hadn't sacrificed anything. Right, and you know. Although I just lost a little bit of my own mind. Did he make that comment in the speech? I guess he did. I believe so, yeah. yeah in the yeah. speech, yeah, yeah. yeah. He came out later. He came out and was, you know, uh, Khan reinforced that very, very strongly. You're right, in the talk, he mentioned that. And, of course, Donald uh, can't uh, Bit. Yeah. Uh, help himself. You know, he feels like, okay, I've 
I'm attacked. He 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 must have the thinnest skin uh, in human history. I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what Hillary Clinton said. You know, if we can bait him with a text, how could we trust him with the nuclear codes? Yeah. And so, I mean, it's not doing him any good. So this is just Donald being Donald. Um, and again, this has gone on I, for for a year at least that we've been watching it. I guess there's no sense that this would change now. I think I think in both cases, uh, with Hillary and Donald, what you see is pretty much what you get at this point. Yeah. Did you and, see the uh, Fox News interview? Uh, that now is getting all of this attention where Hillary Clinton kind of doubled down on her Benghazi lie? Uh, I Honestly, I didn't see it. I saw, I saw a news story about it, uh, but I didn't, uh, I didn't see it. She apparently said, she, I mean, she doubled down and ended up kind of blaming the, the professionals around her for some of that. And um, and then the New York Post, I believe it was, or the Washington Post came out and, and said – gave her four Pinocchios for lying about it again. So a double down again on her side, it's, it's almost like they really are battling to see who can be the most untrustworthy. Well, they both have just uh, such rock-solid histories of their behavior. In, in, in each case, you know, they're, they're both uh, pretty predictable when it comes to, uh, you know, how, how they characterize themselves and how they, they react and, and respond. Uh, yeah, uh, Hillary reinforces all the time that, you know, she's uh, fairly casual with, with the truth. And, and the funny thing about her is that it's, well, with Benghazi is kind of big in terms of, uh, how she handled it and blaming it on the, you know, the video and all that. But she just fabricates little things that why would you do that? You know, landing under fire in Bosnia and mm-hmm. a, a silly thing like uh, her parents naming her after Sir Edmund Hillary before he was a famous guy. And <laughs> little things that are like inexplicable. Like why would you, you don't need to uh, tell a lie. It's not like it even... Yeah, it doesn't help. Yeah, it's just a, I don't know, it's it's odd in her case. And in his case, you know, he just uh, lashes back every time. I mean, we talked about this before, but the day after he wins the nomination, he spends a chunk of time talking about how horrible Ted Cruz and John Kasich are. Right. Then why do that? You know, it, it's like there's no, no good can come from that, um, but... You know, he he uh, has this sort of pathological response. What what do you see now as you look back after both of them have had their convention? It sounds like Hillary got a bump, right? So she basically is now back to where she was before the conventions um, ahead of Trump, uh, depending on, I guess, who you're looking at. But what do they both come away with? Uh, what are we supposed to think Donald – what is Donald in relation to what is Hillary – and, and what are they trying to position themselves as to the rest of the country? So I do think Hillary got a bump, although we only have two national polls uh, that are, you know, that are complete. We have one poll, the LA Times poll, that is a rolling average, which still shows Trump ahead. 
but as I say, that that's a rolling average. The other two, you know, I think it's a five and seven points ahead. So she definitely got a bump out of this. And um, part of the bump is just that it's done. The nomination is all done. Yeah. Uh, she she has historically been a little bit ahead, and so she preserved that. I think the good news about her, and I'm I'm you know I'm quoting Joe Klein from Time Back saying she she did not try to give a rhetorically great speech like her husband or like almost anybody else who preceded her in the convention. She gave a pretty boring uh, Hillary Clinton speech. And, and I, in, a, in a way, I'm saying that in, in a good way. She didn't try to be something that she's not. She gave a pretty solid. She, she had a few, you know, rhetorical zingers in there mm-hmm. about Trump, which you know, you know, when you when you hear them, they, when you read them, they sound oh pretty good. When you actually see her deliver them, it's like really, you know, she's trying. <laughs> That's the only time I, I felt like she was, you know, trying too hard. I mean, Trump is a target-rich opportunity uh, for anybody, but. It's just not her own nature. She's kind of wonkish, and she and she gave that kind of a talk by and large. You know, more of a policy right. type talk. It didn't didn't set everything on fire, but but not doing that, I think, probably ended up being pretty good for her. The interesting thing that I, I can't really get my mind all the way around is that uh, two and a half million more people watched Trump yeah. than watched her. And you'd, you'd think of the buildup of the conventions, it would have been almost the opposite. I mean, it seemed like there wasn't right. nearly there wasn't nearly as much interest in the Republican National Convention as it was the Democrat National Convention. Well, and Donald brought in more people uh, um, voted for Donald in the Republican Party than have ever voted for a candidate, and yet Hillary Clinton was down twenty percent in her uh, process. So, I mean, there seems to be an energy lag in the Democratic Party, even though they had a better, they had seemingly a stronger convention because of the talent that they brought in. Yeah, I think there's no question they had a stronger convention because uh, the the Republican convention was schizophrenic. (laughs) You know, it did in in the sense that you didn't have... uh, as many angry people, there are way more, far more angry people at the Democrat convention right. than were the Republican convention. And the few angry people that were there were squelched pretty quickly. But it still had this sort of incoherent, schizophrenic, okay, it's the Republican convention, and we're nominating and coronating a guy who's actually not really a Republican. <laughs> and so you, so you, you didn't have anywhere near the coherence of the party, you know, noted by all the people who didn't even show up, and then even a lot of the people who spoke sort of had their own message. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about Cruz, but even Paul Ryan, you know, got up and yeah, I, I'm endorsing the guy, but wow, we've got our differences, and you know, uh, I don't know. It was, it was, yeah, it wasn't uh, incoherent. It's too strong of a word, but schizophrenic probably is. That's probably right. Most. It's probably right there. So, so really, what I'm seeing is. Uh, Trump is kind of the anti-government establishment candidate. Hillary is, hey, I'm safe and stable. I'm status quo. The one, the one thing I think that she's clinging to is that is that uh, he's uh, maybe irrational, aberrational, 
And with me, what you get is a steady person who you know a lot about for a long period of time. Mm. And that's got to be what her her play is here. The, the, having said that, she clearly veered to the left enough during the primary, and even in her even in her acceptance speech, uh, touching on a fair amount of fairly left themes. Let's say wait, themes that were to the left of where the American public generally is. I think she had to do that to keep make sure her base uh, shows up. Do you think the do you, th- do you think the uh, Sanders folks are are going to follow her? I think a lot of them will. I think most of them will. It would be really interesting. I, I searched around for some polling data. Couldn't really find anything strong enough on that. But uh, sooner or later, there has to be some polling data that, that looks at that. Clearly, the people at the convention aren't going to vote for her, but that's only a few thousand people. Right. A bunch of them are pretty angry and they continued their heckling inside and outside the hall. I mean, uh, uh, but I, I don't see that. Most millennials are going to be Democrats, probably with a affection, inclination to Sanders, but they're not, no matter what Trump thinks or says or hopes or wishes, or they're not going to be voting for Donald Trump. Mm. His, best, his best hope is that they just don't vote. That's his best hope. So if voting is down, advantage Trump. And well, vote, if the voting is down among that cohort, among the what I'll call the the, the left edge of the of the Democrat base, right? Yeah, it's a. Uh, it seems like by if we've got you know two more months, two and a half, three more months of this, it seems like everyone's going to be down <laughs> at this rate. Well, yeah. So <laughs> you think, wow, it's a hundred days, and what's going to change? Mm-hmm. You know, off, often it's the case. Uh, you can think of that in, in the history of our lives. Uh, often it's the case where there's a lot of shaping to do of the of the primary candidates, principal candidates. So, you know, really who knew Al Gore and George W. Bush? Who, who really knew them? Right. Uh, and you can go back, I don't want to, but you can repeat that many, many times. But everybody knows Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Yeah, you know, so it's it's it's, uh, it's all going to be really blocking and tackling, and where she might have the advantage there, because of a uh, strong Democratic Party, she's aligned with that. She's got more money, and I think generally more money doesn't necessarily help in the case of of trying to get more, you know, I'll call it personality points, but it might help a lot in getting people out to the polls in Cleveland, Ohio, and Cincinnati, Ohio. Right. Oh, yeah. And it seems like, too, we still are in store for an August, a September, and an October surprise uh, with uh, Julia and Assange in the in the game as well. Stick with us, Joe. We're, we, uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. We're talking politics. And when we come back, I, I really want to get into uh, some of the third-party candidates. Is that going to change anything? You know, if Mitt Romney throws his support behind uh, Gary Johnson, will that matter? What will that do? Stick with us, folks. Boy, trying to understand maybe the under uh, the things you can't understand in this world, the the confusion of politics. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends. To the Matt Townsend Show. 
You know, we're trying to understand politics. And it's not politics. It's more just this crazy 2016 election. The, the political world's been fairly consistent for many, many years, uh, it seems like. And Donald Trump has upset the apple cart. Uh, we were, during the break, just looking at 250 uh, people, places, and things Donald Trump has insulted on Twitter. A complete list. One name not on the list is our guest, Joe Cannon. He's our Washington insider, our good friend uh, who's helping us sort through some of these political conundrums and issues. Uh, Joe, we welcome you back. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Matt. You're not on the list. He hasn't offended yeah, you. Could, in a way, I feel kind of bad that I haven't offended him enough. To, uh... You're not even on the radar enough. None of us are, thank heavens. But he, I mean, really, Megyn Kelly, Bill Crystal, every major pundit you could imagine, every country pretty much in the world, um, nobody's, like you were saying earlier, John McCain, you know, military heroes, no one is safe. Uh, with Trump. What do you think about um, third-party candidates? I know when we think of a third-party candidate in a traditionally two-party system, you, uh, the only name that comes to mind is Ross Perot. Right, and Ross Perot got Bill Clinton elected. Yeah. So, uh, so if it goes third-party, and it seems like some people might be having a moral issue where they just can't vote for either of the two main party candidates, Um there's been a lot of talk about Mitt Romney maybe supporting um, Johnson, Gary Johnson. And if he does that, many are saying that the state of Utah, for example, many might follow and it becomes a, a state that, you know, that is now one that you got to pay attention to. Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't put, I was going to say, there's, I don't put any stock in that argument. A, I don't think that Romney's going to endorse Johnson. Johnson has, a, 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 you know, he's a libertarian, but he is, a, you know, pretty strong on legalizing marijuana, pretty strong on on an isolationist standpoint. And, and one piece I read the the other day that doesn't seem to be particularly strong on on religious liberty. Hmm. Uh, now that doesn't mean a lot of people won't vote for him in Utah. I mean, they're, 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 they could vote for him, but I just don't see Romney endorsing him. Yeah. And even if he endorsed him, it might up him a little bit in Utah. But, uh, you know, he'll, he'll, get, uh, he'll get single digits. He might even get in the low double digits in Utah. And that, that could, make, could, could make a difference. So Donald Trump is not very well liked in Utah, but uh, Hillary Clinton is way not liked in Utah. So, so, <laughs> is, uh, I guess that's it. Is So if somebody, do they just abstain? Do they just not vote? If, if, if in their heart they can't see voting for Clinton or Trump, what, what would you direct or suggest they do to still either vote and, and have a vote count somewhere or um, – what do they do? I mean, is there a protest vote? Do they just write someone else in? What do they do? Well, a lot of people will write someone in just just to, because a lot of people want to go vote. So they're going to vote and they might not be able to bring themselves to vote for either of the major candidates. So they'll write someone in or some will vote for Gary Johnson. Some will vote for, uh, oh, I forgot her name right off, the, the uh, uh, Jill candidate. Stein. Yeah. Yeah, Jill Stein. And, uh, you know, that that could make a difference. I mean, you started talking about Utah. I don't think it'll make a difference at Utah, but uh, pretty arguably, 
it did make a difference in Florida and uh, Bush v. Gore. That's true. Uh, where where he, had, he had just enough people voting for Nader to throw that into a cocked hat. So, uh, yeah, there's some states that it matters. So depending on where you are, if you live in California or New York and you can't bring yourself to vote for Donald Trump, it won't matter. It doesn't matter what you do. But it might matter a lot if you live in Florida or Virginia or Ohio or Pennsylvania or North Carolina. There are states where it matters, and people live in those states have a genuinely hard choice when they go to the polls mm. because a, a, a vote in either case. I mean, if, if you're a Democrat and you can't send Hillary, if you're a Bernie Sanders supporter and you can't send Hillary, of uh, you know, a, a not vote for Hillary in those key swing states is a vote for Trump, and vice versa. So if you're a Republican and you just have a crisis of conscience, you're stricken, you can't bring yourself to vote for Donald Trump. Well, you are voting in those states. You are voting for Hillary Clinton. So you have a, it's tough if you're in those states and you don't like the candidate of your respective party. Wow. What happens? I mean, it seems like the country's been divided um, for a long time, but it also seems like we're in a state where we're divided, but almost angrily so, at a level of anger and frustration. What what happens, for example, if Donald Trump wins um, or if Donald Trump loses, what would happen to the Republican Party after bringing a Donald Trump, kind of an outsider, non even not even a true Republican, in through this process? What, what do you see is the future of the Republicans? Well, if he wins, that will be very interesting because he will be the head of the Republican Party as well as the president of the United States. My guess is, is that he won't be very constrained by the Republican part of that equation. He's really not a Republican, and I think he will go his own way as uh, as president. And I don't think he'll spend a lot of time trying to build a party. So if, if you're the Republican Party, you just have to wait for four or eight years, hmm. because I think his outsized personality is a lot of it. I, I, yeah, there, there are clearly divisions within the party, and he was able to coalesce enough of the uh, division to get the nomination, but not to necessarily remake the party. So while, while getting into the situation was a result or consequence of his huge personality and, and uh, ability to woo people, a certain category of people within the party, what follows is also probably going to be personality driven too. Hmm. I don't know who will emerge, but some of them will emerge uh, that will try to put these pieces of the party back together again. Will it? Will it ever be the old party, the old Republican Party? It seems like, even though it was a party divided, um, it's. It, it seems like if Trump was in there four years or eight years, it's not. And and he brought in a, a, a more moderate side of. I mean, even Democrats, more conservative Democrats. It seems like the party would be a completely different party. And it could be. It could be that this is a a realignment, a lot like the 1860s. We had a, had a realignment in what came to be the Republican Party. Uh, the, the, the conventions looked like that at times. It looked like the, Repu- the Democrats were saying the things Republicans normally say, and the Republicans were saying things the, norm- the Democrats would normally say. 
Wasn't that interesting? Hearing hearing USA chants at the Democrats uh-huh. is is uh, not typical. I'm not saying they're not patriotic, but they 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 tend to disdain that sort of patriotism. And and yet all the the Democrats sounding a lot like Ronald Reagan and and quoting Ronald Reagan. And, right. You know, it's it's you know <laughs> it's uh, the morning in America kind of a kind of it's... talk. That was a big theme, especially in the last day, but. But um, yeah, uh, there are, there are a lot of anomalies, and there. I I don't you know, I mean, obviously I don't know, but I don't even know how to speculate on this one because both parties are uh, being captured more and more by a, a particular ideological part of the party, and I I don't know where that's going to lead because in neither case do they represent a majority of the American people. Right. The, le- the left edge of the Democrat Party is definitely out of step with most Americans, and the hard right edge of the—I uh, don't know if I want to say the right edge, but the the Trump edge of what's come to be probably also doesn't represent uh, the majority of people. Do do you sense? Um, I mean, I guess maybe we're in a situation where we need more than two parties. Right. Maybe we're in a we're we're now in a place as a country that we need a different type of system that allows more diverse ideas. I mean, is that ever possible? Well, I mean, in effect, you have four parties right now. Right. Just that you have two of them that one one they end up electing uh, or selecting a candidate. Um, and that's what happened to both both parties in, in the Democrat Party. You had uh, the again the the left the very liberal edge uh, maybe not so much of an edge doing everything they could to get their guy elected and then they end up or uh, nominating they end up nominating Hillary and same on the Republican side so you have these four parties at work right now in effect how it would work if you actually had four candidates would be very interesting because mm. we're not like the rest of the world. Right. The rest of the world are going to have multiple parties because they have a parliamentary system. And what happens, you go into the the leader of parliament becomes the head of state. And so that is a consequence of, of, uh, of the coalition building between the multiple parties. And they end up with one. We just, we're not set up that way. Uh, so what you would end up getting is say you have four, four major candidates. I mean, for candidates that represented significant enough uh, factions, he just end up with a minority president. Mm. Somebody could get forty percent of the vote. He's president of the United States. And and if that happened, it seemed like you'd have to learn to work with Congress in a different way. It seems like you'd have to kind of go back to old school politicking. Yeah, well, we might see that right now. I mean, if you if Trump does get elected. I think you you do have two guys up there, Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan, you know, sort of licking their chops, understanding that there's this document called the Constitution, which <laughs> invests in them yeah. quite a lot of quite a lot of clout. And uh, I think we'll we'll see what somewhat of a minority part or a, a piece of the party how they govern relative to the other members of the party, assuming. They both they keep uh, Republicans keep both the House and the Senate. I mean, it's going to be very interesting if he wins in that respect. Oh wow! I still, I still don't think he's going to win, but you know what? Uh, um, 
yeah. so five thirty-eight. You know, has, yeah. have very they're very close right now. Yeah, no, Hillary's ahead, but um, it's and it's it's a long race still. I mean, it's neck and neck, and we've got you know hundred days to run. Good, good oh, stuff. Yeah. And man, uh, as we wrap it up, Joe, anything else we need to be paying attention to that we're not watching? You know, it's going to be really interesting to see how the Olympics play out. Yeah, in, uh, in Brazil, uh, totally, uh, you know, totally unrelated to politics. But had, had a nice break. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously there are going to be some great moments, but boy, what a difficult place to have the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And you well, hope they succeed for their. I mean, think of how much they've invested as a country, and it's it's already getting some bad press, which happens at, at the beginning of a lot of these. So hopefully, hopefully it ends up turning out okay. Yeah, hopefully when people start running and jumping and playing, and and uh, we see real you know superior athletes, a, a lot of this will go away. But it, it's starting out rockier than many Olympics. Yeah, totally. Joe, you're the best. Appreciate your time. Have have a great uh, have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Matt. Thanks a lot. Joe Cannon's his name. Go check out uh, his website, uh, fuelfreedom.org. A great uh, resource helping you lower the costs of fuel for you and everyone in the United States. Um, great uh, work they're doing there. We'll take a break. Come back. Continue. Uh, actually, this first hour, wrap it up and discuss what's next. I mean. Hopefully the Olympics can come in and create a nice little separation for us. But I have a feeling that uh, Donald won't stop making news. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends. (laughs) You know... Here's here's the deal. If if I could have my way, I would um, I w- I would just go for the vice presidential candidates. Maybe there's a way where you know we could all just vote for a Kane. Uh, what's his name? Um, Mike Prince Pence Pence a Kane Pence ticket. You know, it used to be where you vote for whoever you want. The first person with the most votes gets the presidency, yeah. and then the second person gets the vice president. Is that how? See, that's how it used to be. That's yeah. how it was in grade school too. That's the way it should be. Um, it just and even Gary Johnson's got a great vice presidential candidate as well. It just seems like if we just took those three vice presidential candidates and let them be, and then we just we throw them in a ring, and whoever can we put them in a house. This is how we'll do it. We put them in a house for a weekend. Whoever gets the most votes from the people watching ends up being the president. I'm gonna. I sh- I'm sure it would be Kane because he's got a harmonica. Or we make a a reality TV show about becoming president. Yeah. No, Donald Trump would have an advantage. So if if Donald true, and true. Hillary are out, then then we can do the okay. Yeah, because that would work a lot better. But Tim Kane, I, I think the votes always should go to the guy with the harmonica. It's like, because you know, whether you're in prison or in a war trench somewhere, you when, got music. When there's no saxophone on the table, <laughs> you yeah. you default to the harmonica. Yeah, to the pocket, the pocket harmonica. He carries four with him in his briefcase. You never know when you're going to need one. I'm sure they're all different 
keys as well. Oh, yeah. Ah, we've solved it. The The votes go to the vice presidential candidates and we just get rid of the, all the people running for president. It's just unsure. It's a little radical. But it feels safer, doesn't it? Anyway, that's hour number one of the Matt Townsend Show. We've got a great show coming up next hour. More ideas, more information to help you uh, live longer, love stronger. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hour number two of the program. Top of the morning to you. This is the show where we give you the information, the tools you need uh, to make it through this crazy thing called life. We don't want to just give you the news. We want to give you uh, some of the skills, the the inside track to life. It's not always fun and difficult at times, but um, you can make it through. We got you. We got you. And it's Monday. So let us help you through that as well. We have a great hour programmed for you here today. Today we'll be talking um, and replaying an interview we did with Dr. Frank McAndrew about gossiping. And you would think that gossiping would is just it's just antisocial. It ends up hurting you. We'll be talking about you know why are good gossipers so influential and popular in the social groups, um, giving you some insight into um, about the power really of gossiping. The, the positive side, gossiping sounds horrible because it's you know we're talking about something or someone else. We'll give you maybe a better definition as well throughout this interview, but it's fascinating, and we wanted to, to give you a chance to hear that again. We'll be, t- we'll be seeing or listening to that, plus headlines, of course, lots of information uh, that will be coming up. And uh, Leanna Tan, one of our producers, has put together a piece, How Your Phone is Making You Fat. See, I thought it was the food and lack of exercise, but apparently iPhone killing me. We'll get to all of that. But first, let's get to the headlines around the country, find out what's going on there with Caitlin Thomas. Caitlin? Thanks, Matt. The FBI and the Justice Department are now involved in an investigation into a hacking that has penetrated the Democratic National Committee, the campaign of Hillary Clinton, and the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. Experts suggest that the Russian government was the culprit and that they could have more unreleased information. Clinton's campaign said that there was no evidence that their, quote, internal systems have been compromised. Donald Trump became trapped in an elevator in Colorado Friday night before he was due to give a speech at a campaign rally. As local news outlets reported Saturday afternoon, the Colorado Springs Fire Department had to rescue Trump after a mechanical problem in the elevator he was riding at the Mining Exchange Hotel trapped the candidate between the first and second floors. Quote, the firefighters were able to secure the elevator, open the top elevator hatch, lower a ladder into the elevator, which allowed all individuals to self-evacuate, including Mr. Trump, onto the second floor lobby area, said a fire department representative. Everyone is okay. The father of a fallen Muslim U.S. soldier demanded to know if Donald Trump had read the Constitution at the Democratic Convention last week, and apparently his question encouraged Americans to study up, too. Get this, Matt. Sales of $1 pocket-sized American constitutions have skyrocketed since Kazir Khan's speech, earning the founding document the number two spot on the Amazon list of best-selling books. Google also reports searches for the Constitution have increased tenfold since the daily average from a month prior. 
A five-year-old boy on vacation with his family was struck by lightning at a beach on Sunday. Authorities said the boy was struck at around 4 p.m. at a beach in Carrollva, North Carolina. His family put him in their SUV and rushed to get help, meeting paramedics on the way to a hospital, but he succumbed to his injuries at the hospital. The identity of the boy has not yet been disclosed and no further details were available. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell released a statement on Sunday calling the fallen soldier Captain Khan a war hero. This comes as Donald Trump has criticized Khan's parents after their scathing remarks during the DNC. Quote, all Americans should value the patriotic service of the patriots who volunteered to selflessly defend us in the armed armed services, the statement read. So there you have it, Matt. Those are your headlines. Constitution number two best-selling book on Amazon. Wow. It's about time. Thank you, Caitlin. Uh, Number one best-selling book on Amazon. on Amazon? The Art of the Deal. The Art of the Deal. The Anti-Constitution. Hmm. That's great. Constitution needs probably the Bible. Is that still selling? Yeah. It used to be the number one seller. Maybe it's the Emoji Bible we talked about a few weeks ago. Oh, that's a good Bible. Yeah. Best seller. Mm-hmm. Really brings the stories out in a different light. I think it adds a lot of insight. Yeah. Plus, just I feel good when I see... Smiley face, tears. It justifies my use of texting emojis. Yeah, you actually, I think you might do it a little too much. I'm not, I'm not putting you down. Oh. But he is. But, yeah. I read, I read a story about this in my Bible. You know, you st- that justifies me. <laughs> you know you still need to use words, not just emojis. As uh, he rolls his eyes. Smiley so he face, winky he, face. He's already, he's already lost the ability to use words. It's just eye rolls at you. Yeah. Oh. He needs to be expressive with his words. Peace sign. Mm. Yeah. Which leads us to uh, today, the day we are celebrating World Wide Web Day. This is the day that we get to celebrate, really, over time, more emoticons, more emojis, more technology, more email scandals. Do we need to? More Russians coming in to hack. Allegedly. Allegedly. The Russians deny that. This is why you need a Spider-Man. Just because there's a group called Fuzzy Bear that apparently did it. That's the name of the hacking group, apparently. Really? Yeah. And they're known to be associated with certain elements of the Russian government, but everyone's in denial. Go on. Fuzzy Bear. Fuzzy Bear or something like that. If you're a hacking... (laughs) terrorist hacking group. I don't know that I want to be called Fuzzy Bear. Yeah. But you know, it's really it's some really nice guy. Yeah. A lot of body hair. Could be. Sitting in his shorts. Yeah. In some dark room in or some basement somewhere. Could be a guy in a suit, has a nice haircut. No. Has a thriving social life. No, that's not it. <laughs> that's not it. It is Spider-Man Day, as you said. Spider-Man Day. Also... Homemade pie day. Mm. Mm. You got to combine all three. That you can't. You can't? Some things aren't. You can't combine. Okay. Spider-Man. Now, isn't Spider-Man, I'm pretty sure Spidey is uh, was really good friends with Batman. No. I think they used to nope. hang out in a lair Not somewhere. Nope. And There might have been some random crossover between the two universes, but they have nothing to do with each other alert nerd there was a marvel dc crossover and yes wonder woman did pick up thor's hammer but that was a different story didn't wonder woman date spider-man no i thought they were an item no in the invisible jet they'd go to cancun no 
Is that a different Wonder Woman? It's nothing. Them and Chewbacca. Chewbacca. Uh, <sighs> do you remember the Spidey scene when no, he, this, this, he this sprayed isn't real. Spidey junk from he, his wrist? It's webbing oh, yeah, and, then, like, and he Klingons shoots it. What are, you, in. what are you guys doing? Yeah. Oh, I, you know what? These are cherished the stories. in Star Wars. People know what these are. Drive me crazy. They talk like this. Wow. If you were to pit a... This is just downright insulting. If you took a Klingon... Or a Jedi. Pretty much the same thing, right? Yeah, exactly yeah. the same thing. And pitted them against Spider-Man. Yeah. Terry, who would win? Nobody, because this never would happen. I guess the question is, is there any raid that I could spray? Because if I spray raid on Spider-Man, dead. <sighs> Stiff on his back, legs in the air. Dead. All spray eight on- of them. All eight legs. Spray it on Klingon, nothing. Let's move along. There's just too much to fix here. Okay. Next topic. You have made the sun fun. <sighs> okay. Speaking of um, <laughs> strange occurrences, have you, have you seen the video of this New Jersey black bear? I believe I saw it, yes. Unbelievable. It's a black bear that walks on his hind legs. Oh, yes, yes. I remember this guy. He's been, this is a return performance. Yeah, yeah, he's a social media darling. They love him. He's been walking all over um, Oak Ridge, New Jersey, but he's bipedal, he, so he walks on his hind legs. It seems like one of his paws is broken. His front paws? Yeah. So he's, he's walking on his hind legs yeah. to avoid the use of that uh-huh. paw. Interesting. Skinny, and it makes him look really skinny. Does he ask for picnic baskets? And... Hey, this is Yogi Bear. Well, what was that? That was someone imitating. Yeah, I was going to say. A no, that was bear. totally Yogi Bear. No. That was not there's, Yogi there's Bear. There's plenty of opportunities hey, to boom, find boom. Yogi out there. Yeah. No, I, I promise you. I, really? I talked to him personally. <laughs> did, you, did you go interview Yogi? I did, yeah. <laughs> was he? He's he a sounds pajet- a lot different. He's at Jellystone, right? Yeah. Okay. Does he know this guy? Um, this other bear out in New Jersey? I like think, Tony the Bear? I think they've talked before. Okay. Um but they're they're not super close. Tony the Bear. Why do you call him Tony? Tony. Oh, just I. You need like a New Jersey name. Like yeah, that. Sopranos was Anthony. in Jersey. Tony. He, but he's the cutest thing in the world, and they he runs through people's yards. Yeah. He's not afraid of people, which is not necessarily the best thing. No. But he's he's, he's cute. Till people are like, oh, he's cute. Look, he's on his hind legs. You go out there, and then bad things happen. <laughs> You're now bear lunch. But I don't think he could get you because he's he's missing a paw. Yeah, he'd that, have to one paw you. That would slow you slow him down a bit. Yeah, there's nothing more unsettling than having a bear walk up and just stand right up. The video is a little off putting. When she, I mean, at first you're like, oh look at that, then you're like, oh boy. There's other pictures of bears. I mean, they climb trees, obviously, but yeah, not not the tree that you have your kid's treehouse in. No, <laughs> but that would be worry worrisome to have this bear walking through your backyard. Yes. There was a dog just sitting there, and there was a video of the bear walking by a dog. But he's like too – he's not mean. He's just trying to get dinner. But he really looks more like a guy in a bear suit that's yeah. going to walk up to the KFC. By the way, speaking of KFC, did you hear what India is coming out with? What do they have? They have a Wata box, they call it. India's KFC, a Wata box, includes a cell phone charging station in your box of chicken. Okay. So you can sit there while you're eating your chicken meal. You have a fi- you can get the five in one meal, which includes a USB phone cable, 
built-in power bank, and then I guess some chicken and potatoes and a complete meal. The fixins. So I don't know. Is it a good idea to be mixing a water box, uh, uh, have your food in a box of yeah. highly charged? Well, it's not highly charged. Energy. One section has a little battery pack, and you plug in. Yeah, I, it's a new age of functional meals. Yeah, I mean, well, aren't we afraid of radiation? No. And um, if if phones are going to cause radiation, they already have. Because no one's stopping their use out of concern for their, you know, proximity to these devices. But it's it's kind of like I never – when I go to McDonald's, I never thought I wanted like a power strip with my mill. Yeah, but if there was a place to plug in, it'd be convenient. They're just making it convenient. Why don't they just put plugs and cords at every the, seat? The installation of that is kind of – Expensive if they have it. This is a limited time thing too, so it's just to get people in the building. You want a charger with your mill? <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah. Do you want to uh, upsize that to a, a six foot cable, or would you just like to just go with a three foot cable? Uh, I guess I go with a six foot cable. <laughs> I want to eat far away from my de- from my food. <laughs> so, what's happening to us? Do you want a screen protector? We can get you a free screen protector for the greasiness of the uh, the meat so you don't get grease on your phone. You know what? I'm just going to eat somewhere else. Yeah. they got to try something. Maybe, you know, bring people in. How about just make better food? Well, it's chicken. What are you going to do? Find a healthier way to kill me. To myself. grease up some chicken? <laughs> <laughs> now, Water box. Over the weekend. Yes. We talked about it last week. The guy that... Jumped out of the airplane without a parachute yes, on purpose. and he made it. 25,000 feet. He that, plummeted oh, to the I earth. I was so worried about that guy. And he landed in a huge net. Netted him. That's a big deal. I put the video on our, our Twitter feed. That's a, and You're falling 25,000 feet, 125 miles an hour. He falls with a cousin and a couple other guys yeah. that are up there for... I get. I don't know if they had cameras or what, but at one point he had an oxygen. Oh, you're up yeah, high enough. There's an oxygen, oxygen mask, tank. so he handed that off to his cousin as he's falling. And then you'd see him practice his flip, how he'd flip to his right. back because that's how he wanted to land. I imagine if you land face first, he, you may break things. He 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 did a great job. He didn't hit the middle of the net. Right. He was kind of over to the side, which I guess is fine. Well, you you want to hit the net. That's really the. Yeah, first rule, don't, hit the net. Don't Second rule, stay in the net. Stay in the net. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. I heard an interview this morning with his aunt, and uh, she was saying that they tested out, uh, got some tall cranes so he could jump off the crane and kind of flip and land into the net so he could practice that, that turn, make sure he could do that correctly. And the net failed. Oh, So they had, to get, they had to get better nets. Now, yeah. my, how do you test from 25,000 feet if the net's going to work? Well, you don't. You get engineers. You guess. You make well, a real I, educated guess. Maybe you guess. could drop something through down. You know, you could drop a dummy. You couldn't aim though. Well, he'd miss, and then no. You'd... But you just have these. You have the parachutists fly with the dummy. Yeah, I guess. At some point, they have to pull their chute though. Ben's leaving us. Um, ben could. They could use Ben. Excuse me. To like, because you're not going to be with us anymore. They needed a dummy. In a few weeks, you not a dummy. That's what you said. They just need some. They just need. They oh, just need a. You know, I I knew this was coming. They need an average like, body. As soon as you yeah. started the story, so <laughs> eventually it would come back to you. Well, but you could just jump out with them. The other parachutists could make sure you're over the net. Yeah, 
and then they'll pull their shoots, and about ten sec- seconds later, you'd be in the net. Bye, Hope, guys. Thanks. Am I on target? Yeah, yeah. So, I bet you could make some money. I'm just saying. If you want to watch the video, it'll be on our on our. It's, it's uh, on our Twitter feed right now at Doctor Matt Show. Also, we will also put the Walking Bear. We'll put that up too because that's critical. But yeah, that was watching it was kind of kind of crazy because you're like, wait, this guy just jumped out of the plane. He has no parachute. You start thinking about this is mm-hmm. it's two minutes of a guy falling through the sky. You got to think about something. I don't know why you'd even do it. That that's you know there's there's reasons to die. There's other reasons not to die. Yeah, that seems like a reason not to die. I don't want to be negative, but remember, I was worried the guy, his kid was there, his wife, wife was there, family, whole family's there. There's there's like a little stadium watching him. I mean, yeah. like, oh. you you miss it by a foot, yeah. and yet this turns into a whole different story. Like I mean, that's just that just becomes the viewing. What do you, what do you do? That, wow. was, that was unnecessary. <laughs> that that was the test run. They were, that was a test yeah. run with a fake dummy. Like a watermelon. That was a watermelon run. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. If you have any critique of that audio, give us a call. one 855 chat Ben will take your phone we'll call. We'll put Ben on the phone with you. So uh, go to at Dr. Matt show. Um, you'll find our Twitter feed where you'll see the bear. You'll see the, the guy jumping in the net. You will not see KFC's India, KFC India's water box. Not going to see that. I think it's a bad idea. People are all greasy, and then you're going to hand them something that's got, like, electricity in it. It's, you're setting people up. Electrocution style. We'll take a break, folks. When we come back, Dr. Frank McAndrew will be joining us. An interview we did uh, a few months ago about gossip and where it came from, how it works, and how it actually creates social integrity. Interesting stuff. Stick with us. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, you probably can't forget the sound of whispers and giggles that filled the halls in high school. And after thinking it would, you know, go away after, you know, you graduated, you were probably disappointed to hear the exact same kinds of whisperings and giggles filling cubicles at the workplace. Gossip seems like almost an innate part of human nature. And no matter how hard you try, you can't seem to escape it. Whether it's whispers among coworkers or pictures filling the tabloids, we all know gossip can be damaging. It can burn bridges, hurt feelings, maybe kill reputations. But is it possible that gossiping can actually be good for us, too? Dr. Frank McAndrew, evolutionary social psychologist from Knox College, uh, joins us today from Illinois to explain why he thinks gossiping is not necessarily a character flaw. Dr. Frank McAndrew, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks, Matt. I'm happy to be here. Great to have you. I, To me, I, I love this topic, and I've always loved it just even since studying it back in college. We, we automatically have this kind of view of gossip. It's just wrong. It's mean. But, but talk to us. Evolutionarily, it's, it's been a part of our history for a, forever. Right. Yes. It's, it's, uh, we talk about it sometimes as if it's possible not to do it. Right. And it, 
you might as well ask people to stop breathing. It, it really is a part of who we are, and we really don't have a choice. And I think it's gotten such a bad reputation because people have a very restricted idea about what it is. Yeah. Um, first of all, they think it's something other people do. When they gossip, they're just sharing information or looking out for somebody's well-being. They would never apply the G word to themselves. Right. But um, also we tend to focus on the negative stuff. And I don't deny that gossip can be used as a weapon. It can destroy reputations. Backstabbing can happen. Um, But that's not all there is to it. Whenever you're talking about other people and sharing information about them, um, you're gossiping. And sometimes that is very harmless. And when you're speculating about who's up for the next promotion, you're gossiping. But you're not necessarily saying bad things about people or sharing negative information. Hmm. That's, and that's an important distinction, right? Because we're human creatures. We're social creatures. We need information. So sharing of information can also be neutral. Right. And it can actually, even if you're sharing negative information, it can be serving a greater good. Uh, in some ways, knowing that other people are monitoring your reputation and talking about you makes you be a better person. Hmm. At work, if you're tempted to kind of slack off and let other people do your your work for them and cut corners wherever you can, knowing that people are going to be paying attention to that and spreading your reputation around forces you to do what you're supposed to do. So a lot of gossip, it's always perceived as negative by the person who's the target of it, but in, in fact can serve a greater good. Hmm. That's a really interesting way to look at it, that it's because it also keeps you in check, right? It keeps you doing your social good as well, being, be, being a part of the team. Well, that's right. And it helps you learn how to be part of a team. Uh, when you're the new person hired at a job, there are a lot of things people don't tell you. You know, how casually can you dress? Um, can you call the boss by his or her first name? Uh, is it okay to just run out of work as soon as quitting time comes or are you supposed to hang around a little bit? And by tuning in to hear what people are saying about other people, uh, you learn the rules informally, the things that nobody's going to come right out and say to you. So it's a way of socializing people into the life of the group and getting them to do what the group wants them to do. Yeah. It's interesting as I sit in interviews uh, for our staff, I can't – you know, there's certain things you just can't say, but they, they're, they're implied, they're noted, they, they become part of just the culture, don't they? They do. That's right. And because nobody comes out and says them, how do you learn them right. unless other people are talking about people <laughs> and what happens when they don't play by the rules. So so really um, it's it's just it's just another level of information and I guess what makes gossip less of less healthy is when it's untrue when it's when we're trying to use it to manipulate or and or harm someone. That's right. Uh, the kind of gossip that we all disapprove of and the kind of gossip you don't want to be thought of as sharing is the stuff that really has no redeeming value whatsoever except helping you get ahead, um, serving your own selfish interests. Everybody frowns on that. And being a bad gossiper um, means that you're very transparent about this sort of thing and you're spreading mean-spirited information that doesn't do anybody any good except yourself and everybody sees right through it. And another thing that makes a person a bad gossiper is you're very indiscreet about who you share information with and when. Hmm. Um, if you're a blabbermouth that just repeats everything you hear, nobody's going to share information with you. So uh, when I refer to it as a social skill, what I'm referring to is the fact that it is important to be part of the gossip network, but 
it's also important to understand the difference between being a good and bad gossiper. Mm, good, good. In fact, let's get into that. I mean, I guess that's one of the benefits of if someone's a gossiper, a bad gossiper, a negative gossiper, they're going to be gossiped about anyway. So the, right. the system itself will control itself. That's exactly right. Uh, yeah, you can gossip about people being bad gossipers. And, um, <laughs> so so what, what, give, give us the rules. Go into the rules for us. Like what is, what is the good, what, you know, how to do this in the healthiest way? Well, I think the first thing is to recognize that gossip is a normal part of social life. And by being part of the gossip network at work or wherever you happen to be is not necessarily a failing on your part. When somebody shares gossip with you, it's a sign of trust. What they're saying is, look, I respect you. I think of you as a colleague and friend. I trust that you're not going to use this information in some way that's going to come back to harm me. And it's a sign of inclusion. By cutting yourself off and saying, I do not want to be part of the gossip network here, what you're really saying is, I don't want to be part of your group. I don't trust you. I don't want you to trust me. And mm. nobody wants to be in that situation in their day-to-day -day life when they're just trying to go about their business. And so the first thing to do is not be a holier-than-thou person that somehow thinks that because somebody else is gossiping, they're a bad person. You're gossiping, too. You just don't recognize it. Is there a benefit to, to being a part of, I guess, being willing to hear it but not spread it? Well, yes. I, I think that might be uh, a way to get on the other hand, there is a sort, certain sort of reciprocity thing that we feel. Okay, yeah. If somebody does a favor for me, I feel obligated to do a favor for them. So the person that just soaks up the gossip and never shares anything is going to be suspicious mm -hmm. because they're not playing by the rules. And uh, the skill comes then, if you are going to be part of the gossip network, uh, to be very discreet. Don't share something unless it absolutely has to be shared. Don't use gossip in a way that is only for your benefit. Be looking out for the well-being of the group as a whole. So there are guidelines we can follow. Hmm. Does um, – I guess uh, – could we push back on the gossip or the gossiper? So if someone's sharing something with me in confidence, can I push back on it and say that doesn't seem complete? That doesn't – you know what I mean? And, and basically try to create – a cleaner version. Sure. Absolutely you can. Um, because the goal, really, the reason people are tuning into this the grapevine is to know what's going on and to make every attempt you can to make sure that the information that's being transmitted is accurate. There, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, so, sure, if you're, if you're suspicious that what somebody's saying isn't true, call them on it. Ask why they're saying that. You know, um, there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Yeah. Well, I mean, it seems like, too, that there's some things that even if it's true, even if it's gossip, that it's just still not worth, like, why are we sharing this? Well, that's right. Uh, another guideline would be to be sharing gossip that's relevant to the situation. Yeah. And so if you're at work uh, and somebody's engaging in some behavior that's counterproductive at work or hurting the their coworkers. That's something that would probably be legitimate to talk right. about. On the other hand, talking about what this person is doing in their personal life that is totally removed from the workplace is probably out of bounds. Interesting. Interesting stuff. We're speaking again with Dr. Frank McAndrew. Let's take a break, Frank, and uh, come back, continue this discussion about gossip. I mean, it, it's a social skill, folks, too. It's not – I mean, there's there's a moral side of it, right? And it sounds like you can still uh, be part of a social network and – 
not become part of the dark, seedy side of it. Just because you're hearing information doesn't mean you're having to become part of the dark side of the force, if uh, Terry was in the room. We'll take a break, folks, and uh, come back, continue this discussion about gossip. It's uh, Is it a character flaw or a social skill? Stick with us, folks. Interesting discussion. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Gossip, is it a social skill? I believe it is. Um, it's not just inherently a character flaw. People just immediately think, oh, you're gossiping? We could make up another word for it that maybe is better than gossip. Uh, maybe gossip only includes kind of the dark, negative side of sharing information. But there is an inherently positive, beneficial side as well socially to know that you're in the group, to know that you're in the know, you're finding out about things earlier um, joining us today, uh, Dr. Frank McAndrew is with us. He is an evolutionary social psychologist from Knox College. He joins us today from Illinois to talk to us about uh, what he thinks about how gossiping is not a character flaw. Frank, again, thanks for being with us. Yep. Uh, we, this, this is, is huge. Fine. I mean, yeah, I think it's, it's important to learn this. Is there a better word for the positive aspect of, uh, of gossiping than the word gossip? Because well, it's it's just networking, really, right? It's well, that, it is, it is, and uh, it's keeping up. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because let's face it, if if you're totally clueless about what other people are doing, who's friends with whom, and you're just naive about the political maneuverings wherever you happen to be, you're never going to get ahead. I mean, if you're you really have to know what other people are up to, right? You, you don't need to know the dirt or – I mean you could even know that and just don't spread that and don't try to get advancement based on someone else's pain or problem. Well, uh, unfortunately, I think our hunger is the greatest for information we can use. Okay. And yeah. that's the thing that really presses our buttons because um, if I have a rival or somebody that's higher in the food chain than I am and I find out some negative things about them – this is immediately interesting to me because it's something maybe I can exploit. I can mm-hmm. use this to get ahead. Whereas if I find out the person um, above me has just won other awards and come into all kinds of other powerful friends and allies, well, that doesn't help me at all. Right. So, uh, I'm not going to be able to use this in, in any way. On the other hand, if I find out some very positive, good things about friends of mine or relatives of mine, this is going to be very interesting to me because it's potentially useful. Mm -hmm. So I think ultimately gossip does have a selfish core in that uh, people are kind of primed to do it because it's a useful thing that does help them get ahead. I'm just saying that's not the only thing that it does. Right. Well, and I guess that's the key if we want to, you know, teach our kids about healthy, uh, you know, know, being in the know is – you, you're really – it's going to test your your most basic base human tendencies to take advantage. Yeah. And uh, it, just look at the evening news any night of the week. It's all stories about people. Right. And it's all stories about things that we can usually make moral judgments about, whether we're talking about political candidates or movie stars or any other kind of public figures. And we want to know the same things about them that we want to know about the people in our own lives. Yeah. Isn't that – it's just we, – we do. We have this 
we have this idea, right, that it's just inherently bad, and yet we've been surviving on it our entire existence. Yeah, and I would argue that you couldn't survive in the social world without it. Uh huh. Well, and now it's weird too because we have social media, so we can kind of more subtly send our messages out. You know, even send them not as gossip but as news. Right. Yeah, and it's it's like gossip with a megaphone. Um, you can transmit information to so many people in such a short time. There's nothing like it in human history before this. And so it is kind of running amok, I think. But, um, yeah, it's our caveman brains dealing with the 21st century. What What are the rules we should use? Any other rules that you think of um, to make sure that we do keep our trustworthiness intact? One of the things you mentioned is that the mere fact I'm participating and being invited into the circle is because they trust me. But right. simultaneously, if I use it inappropriately, my trust is immediately broken. Yeah. Uh, there, you don't want to betray trust. So uh, when you and another person are sharing information, there's sort of a mutual understanding about how this information should or should not be used. And if you break that deal that's going to sort of expel you from at least that part of the network. Also, you don't want to ever be the person that incorrect information can be traced back to. Mm. So, you know, if you are going to be sharing any information, make sure it's relevant and make sure it's accurate. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's huge. It's, I guess it does make you like a journalist, right? Exactly. If we're going to be on the record and it's going to be published or it's going to get out there, then make sure it's clean and clear. Yeah, and it will come back to you. You know, you, you may think that, okay, I'm just going to plant this information over here and let it take on a life of its own. But sooner or later, somebody's going to find out where it came from. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And that is the social game of life. It is. It, for better or worse. For better or worse. And that's what I love. You're, you're so objective about it. Because, like, for me, it's still – I have this little word moral thing with it. Like, yeah, but you don't want to spread – well, but no, but it's factually – it's happening. It's going to happen. Well, that's right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I don't think it's a question of will you or won't you, can we stop it, or it's going to happen. Right. So let's just understand it as best we can and make it to be a force for good rather than bad as much as we can. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Dr. Frank McAndrew, thank you so much. Again, and, and uh, anybody, go, go look up his blog, Out of the Ooze, on psychologytoday.com. It's a great blog. You can also go visit his website, frankmcandrew.com. Frank, thank you so much. Uh, Great insight, folks. And again, it's part of our social being. You can still be moral as you share information, and you can still take a stand sometimes and say, you know what, I'm not going there. I don't want to talk about that. Um, And and I think over time, that could build uh, people's trust in you as well. So, But also don't negate the reality that people are talking. And in fact, maybe elevate the game by talking more effectively. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, um, we've learned now about gossiping, that it can be healthy, and you can participate in a more healthy way because when Ben heard, oh, so we can gossip now? I, I, I feel like we missed the point. So, Ben, I need you to go listen to that whole segment again. I feel like you and Terry do a lot of gossiping about me. Is that the healthy kind? or Gossiping is behind your back. 
You're yeah. standing right across from us when we say all this stuff. So. And we only speak the truth. So if yeah. I turn my back, will you stop? There is a questionable... <laughs> uh, no, no, I think we'll just continue. I don't think it really has much to do with you, per se. Oh, Other than you're the subject. Okay. <laughs> sounds so negative. Um, and it doesn't need to be truthful, though it all is. It's not like we're making this up. Allegedly, it's truthful. And you have no... Refute any of it. We... Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. Because I do not be- make my ice cream in a tub. <laughs> for the love of all that. <laughs> for the love of Pete. Yet you don't anymore. You're absolutely right. Ever since the health department. You're absolutely right. So, um, to keep uh, to give us something else to talk about other than Ben, because we want to keep the gossiping down, um, we, we want to talk about the Olympics. A lot of people are worried. They're worried. Is are these you know are people going to get sick? Are they going to get Zika? I saw some. Uh, um, what was it? It was a uh, a doctor recommended that basically if you're going to go in the water, keep your head above water, you'll be fine. Well, that should always pretty much be the case, right? Well, no, you're not going to swim. The water that's contaminated, I guess they're not. No one's swimming in it. Yeah. I think right. If you fall in now, I, I don't know. Die. I don't know about. Is there a triathlon involved with this? Is that an Olympic? I don't know. It is an Olympic. Is um, there event? Okay, so th- there might be some swimming if that's where they're swimming. Where it's they'll swim somewhere really else. bad. But like all the main Olympic swimming, they have swimming pools for it. Right. So it's. They said if you're going to swim, keep your head above water. Don't swallow any of the toxic sludge. You'll be fine. Just take a shower after. If you've if you've use been some, swimming, use some pumice and take a, out the outer layer so that you don't die. <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever been swimming at a municipal park or whatever, yeah, you you know what it's like. I don't think you do. Really, it's supposed to be more acidic. Really, more toxic. I saw H. What was it HBO Real Sports went down there. They're standing in the cement area below, kind of the you see the neighborhoods that go up the side of the mountain, and. Uh. They're just, just they're standing there and there's all this liquid that's running. It's just running downstream. Down the mountain. And they're like, What's this? They go, Oh, that's the um that's the sewer. We're like the guy's like, What? And he goes, Yeah, it's just open and uh it just comes down the mountain and Wow runs into the Well the bay, the bay area down there. So what other any other headlines other than the sewage out of the Olympics? Um their Australian athletes are are complaining they had a laptop stolen from the Olympic Village. So it's not safe. And they're saying there's 15,000 beds there. You got a lot of people walking around. So, you know, something walked away. <laughs> so they're complaining about that. There was a bike path that collapsed. Really? It raises question about Olympic readiness. A newly built seaside bike path that collapsed when it was struck by a wave killing at least two people, raising questions whether the city's final push to ready itself for hosting the upcoming Olympics. That's out of the LA Times. Wow. So that's a that's a thing. The, the, there's always a lot of weird news that comes out before because there's, there's not news. A, but there's such a focus on this area. Every little thing yeah. turns into something bigger, even though it might not be. I mean, this is one laptop and a 15,000 yeah. seat. I mean, stuff disappears from your office all the time. Oh, all the time. Yeah. Doors just open. Yeah. I had a spongy ball that disappeared. Slinky. No. It's like, I don't know, they're cleaning house. Could be. Does NBC report on your spongy ball that was taken from your office? No. No, because the Olympics are not happening here. But if an, if your right. office was in Brazil, front page. Good point. 
that's key. <laughs> Other news from Australia. So this was the Australian Olympic team. Yeah. And their laptops in Brazil. This is in Australia. Apparently people are concerned of, uh, the headline is, amount of Australians listing the force as their religion is unnervingly large. Really? What so what is your religion? You could be Christian, Muslim, but, or you could be using the force. It says every five years, the people of Australia are asked to stay home for the night and fill out documents on how they live their lives for the country census. Seems fair enough. A new problem sure. has emerged in recent years as alarming amount of population of the population have indicated that their official religion is that of Jediism. So wow. do they wear like Spider-Man garb? Yeah, because no, Jedi's, Jedi's. Jedi's were Spider-Man how stuff. Many, how many people do you think claim Jediism as their religion? Uh, Percentage-wise in the world? Just give me a number. you get, you got a country of several million people. I'd say, I'd say 1%. This is 2011. 65,000 people Man. claimed Jediism. Where do you stand on that spectrum? Zero. He's, oh, he's totally pro-Jedi. Well, I'm pro-Jedi, but I don't, I don't practice. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you're culturally jedi He's a cultural Jedi. Uh, but not an Orthodox Jedi. Yeah, no. Okay. No. So they haven't counted the recent census, but the, the latest numbers they have here, 65,000 people claim is, they're a Jedi. That is a lot of people, um, but it, all, it also makes a lot of sense because when you think about it, we've probably spent more time worshiping Jedis yep. than we have, you know, God. Absolutely. Oh, scary. Uh, interesting news, though. Um, we wanted to talk about technology for a minute. You know, today we have heart monitors uh, our, our self on our cell phones, alarm clocks on our cell phones that can count our steps. But is it possible that our smartphones are making us fat? Well, according to our producer, Leanna Tan, she thinks she thinks it is. So stick with us. Listen to this. You know, the Summer Olympics coming up, I've been inspired to get into my own exercising habits. I just started running around the block aimlessly. And then the other day, I realized my phone had a fitness app that would track my run. And I found a new love for my smartphone as my new virtual running buddy. Hey, buddy. But then Terry showed me this article from greenbot.com called 10 Ways Your Smartphone Is Making You Fat. And we're not talking it's an extra 10 ounces in your pocket. I can't believe they think my new running buddy is making me fat. Here are five of their rude assumptions. One. The blue light. Harvard Health Publication says that at night, light throws off the body's biological clock and sleep suffers. Research shows that it may contribute to the causation of cancer, diabetes, heart disease, and obesity. Blue wavelengths, like the ones that are coming from our electronics, are beneficial during daylight hours because they boost attention, reaction times, and mood, but seem to be the most disruptive at night. And messed up sleep leads to waking. <sighs> yeah, but without that smartphone, I would never wake up. And that wouldn't be helping me lose weight either. Two! Food apps like Grubhub. Now you can order food in seconds and you don't even have to go to the grocery store. Everything now can be delivered right to your door. Yes, but think of all of those poor college students. They are now saving from starvation. Or... All of those one-legged people who don't have cars. Smartphones are fighting hunger one starving student at a time. Three. Social media. Why get up off the couch and actually throw your friend a birthday party when you can just post it to their Facebook wall with a confetti emoji? Same effect, right? Happy birthday. I beg to differ. 
social media is probably the best contributor to fighting obesity. I mean, there's nothing to motivate you like seeing everyone else's swimsuit pictures, right? Everybody hurts sometimes. Four. Google Maps. It says that Google Maps is pretty much the enemy of your waistline. Before Google Maps, we would wander around the neighborhoods for hours before reaching our destination. During our lifetime, we travel many roads. But now we know exactly how to get to our nearest destination with the fewest steps as possible. Turn left onto Ocean Avenue. There's a place off Ocean Avenue where I used to sit and talk with you. No, Google Maps definitely helps me. In fact, I always challenge Google Maps one step further so I can find the quickest beeline. Finding which lawns I can cut across, fences I can climb, benches I can hop over. Not sure how to help with guidance. Yep, thanks to Google Maps, I've become an avid speedwalker, climber, and hurdler. Fitbits and fitness accessories. It fools you into thinking 10,000 steps is real exercise. Uh, hey, it is definitely a real thing. One of the reasons I haven't invested in a car yet is because it's just so satisfying to see that virtual trophy on my phone telling me that I've surpassed my daily step goal when I get home from my 30-minute walk from work. Plus, I don't know if I would complete my workout without that monotonous robot voice coaching me on. Almost there. You can do it. Smartphones have to be helping us be healthier. I mean, A, you're lifting an extra, like, 10 ounces a day, like... We are here to bob. B, now you can listen to music wherever you go. How many sedentary people have smartphones inspired to find their groove when their favorite jam comes on? And C, smartphones give you access to all your favorite how-to workout YouTube videos. And trust me, I wouldn't be doing my Richard Simmons aerobics unless I could be sure to confine those videos to a five-inch screen in my bedroom. So thank you, smartphones. All I'm saying is, think of all the things our dumb phones didn't have. Use your smartphone's features wisely, and we'll all be on our way to 10-pound thinner versions of ourselves. Well, I'm Leanna Tan, and that's my little tangent. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hour number three of the program. Happy World Wide Web Day to you. Uh, uh, also, Spider-Man Day. Uh, Spider-Man was the son of Batman and Wonder Woman. Um, is that correct, Terry? No. Just checking. We'll correct that in a minute. No. I So I saw some... It's no. a spoiler alert, but I think Spider-Man is actually Luke Skywalker's son. There you go. Uh, yeah. Or it, uncle. No, no, uncle, I think it was. And is a practicing Jedi with sticky web, web wrists. Is this all accurate, Terry? 100%. We Terry. checked our sources really thoroughly, so... 
Ted, Terry is the senior geek on the team, and he helps us understand what is a Marvel comic <clears throat> versus or a Jedi or versus Star Wars. Nobody's listening. I think we've gone through too far this time, though, Matt. Matt's not he learning, seems, refuses to change his ways. He seems sad. You seem I offended. think we broke him. It's okay. We done broke Terry. Uh-oh. Send him out. Um, no. It's happy Spider-Man Day. One of the greatest Jedis ever to dress in pajamas. He it's did. also homemade pie day. Homemade pie day. So you can get pie, a Spider-Man comic, and you can do it all on the web. The World Wide Web. That's how you tie it all together. Or Spider-Man's you, web. You can... <laughs> uh, never mind. I know. It's not coming soon enough. He'll be gone soon. I'm going to miss him, though, really. Really trying to but embrace... He's, he's moving on to bigger and better things. So we will be... For the no, next, he, he's going on vacation for almost a month. Well, they, two weeks. I, they don't. I think they call it a work camp. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't call it a vacation. Well, it's for his sake. We call it a vacation. He looks forward to it. He call it a work camp. It's more. Uh-huh. Too My mom real said I'm going to Bible camp. Okay. There oh, you'll go. have a Bible. <laughs> yeah, you will need the Bible, and um, I, I hear it's more. He's just going to pay back his debt. To society, yeah, okay. One, it's just it's just thirty days, and the shackles more of just to get realism. It's for more the of camp. a it's a it's, it's a, a reminder. Yeah. It's a symbol. Okay, yeah, it's gonna be great. But by the way, they'll have the best ice cream they've ever had in the pokey. We'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, we don't want to give all the secrets away on Ben right before he leaves. We we also going to be talking about concussions. We always think of of concussions being something about. That a sports team ends up suffering through when they lose one of their players, head injuries from athletes. But you know what? A concussion, 50% of them go unreported. And we have a a perfect example of somebody just in a car accident, has a head injury, it goes unreported, and the impact it has on one life. Um, We're also going to find out about – you know, find out what's going on in BYU Sports Nation. We got a lot to do this hour. Plus, if we're really lucky, and if we all do what we're supposed to do, drones made of dead animals, mm. roadkill. Things to look forward to. <laughs> if you want to sneak in a drone to the behind enemy lines, roadkill. Perfect way to do it. It's one way to do it. Flying cat. Hmm. Booyah. We'll get to that as well. But first, let's get to the headlines around the rest of the country. Find out what's going on uh, everywhere else with Caitlin Thomas. Caitlin, what's up? Thanks, Matt. Russia once again dismissed suggestions that it was behind the hack on the Democratic National Committee's computer systems. Russia's foreign ministry called the claims, quote, insulting and unworthy and said the accusations have not yet been made through official channels. Though federal investigators have yet to formally name a culprit, officials have indicated there is strong evidence pointing to Russian intelligence agencies. Roger Stone, a longtime friend and confidant to Donald Trump, jumped into the fray over Kazir Khan's scathing criticism of the Republican presidential nominee on Sunday, calling Khan a, quote, Muslim Brotherhood agent. Khan, the father of slain American war hero, um, slammed Trump for his anti-Muslim rhetoric and schoolyard bullying in a DNC speech last week. His comments prompted a great deal of praise, but they also triggered a spat between Trump and the Khan family, with Trump questioning why Khan's wife did not speak during the DNC speech. 
President Obama has signed a new law that would require all food labels to declare for the first time whether the item contains genetically modified ingredients. Just how clear those labels are, however, is up for debate. The new law, signed Friday and supported by the food industry, preempts a recently passed and stricter Vermont ruling that requires food to say produce with genetic engineering. A recent review of two decades of research and over 900 studies by the National Academy of Sciences has not found any evidence that genetically modified organisms pose a hazard to human health. But advocates say not enough is known about GMOs and consumers want to know exactly what's in their food. Okay, Matt, and last, we talked about this last hour. We left you on a cliffhanger when we talked about Luke Akins, who fell 25,000 feet without a parachute, Uh going 125 miles per hour, landing in a big giant net. He got quoted saying, this is what he said about his adventure. I'm here to show you that if we approach it the right way and we test it and we prove that it's good to go, we can do things that we don't think are possible. So there's your inspirational thought for this Monday morning. So it's not possible to fly, to drop 25,000 feet and land in a net. It is possible. It is possible. We can do anything we set our minds to. Wow. Happy Monday. Thank you, Caitlin. That's really, uh, it's really good news, I think, for the guy that fell 25,000 feet. Luckily, we didn't prove that it wasn't possible. Uh, You know, what do you do? When you have a goal, a dream to, to make something happen, I guess you just say, I, I think we could catch flying parachutists that lost their parachute. We should be able to catch them with a big net. Eventually, we'll have big nets going up anytime. I don't know. I don't know what this is eventually going to prove, but whatever. It was a dream. He made it happen. It's pretty cool. And he didn't die. Uh, ben had actually put together sounds uh, if if it didn't go right. Oh, jeez. But the net caught him. So we didn't need to use the sound. And thank heavens for that. <laughs> what do you do with Ben? He, we're like, Ben, don't make gross sounds. Don't make sounds that, you know, make people recoil. Mm. He's like, I'm going to do what I want to do. Did you hear about this man that stole, um, he steals frozen chicken? Jackson police are investigating a break-in at a fast food restaurant. Police arrested Cliff Hayes and charged him with business burglary. It happened before 5 a.m. at a church's chicken in Jackson. The Jackson Police Department tell us that a witness saw a man break into the building, steal three boxes of chicken, and then rode away on his bike. Wow. That's why we call this uh, the bad boys segment of the show. Really? Bad boys, bad boys. What's it going to do? How, how hard could it be? To, how could you balance with three? I mean, how big are these boxes, though? Well, I mean, I guess fairly big. But you got a 67-year-old man hmm. get on a getaway with three boxes of frozen chicken. You won't believe this, but uh, they caught him. No. Yeah, they did. Guess who he was, by the way. Guess, guess where they found him? On the road. Just riding down the side of the road? Yeah, three boxes of chicken. Hmm. It was a high-speed... High-speed, 15-mile-an-hour chase. Mm, that's probably a bit much there. And then Hard. they got him. And then what do you say? What's in the boxes? Frozen chicken. Is that your chicken? Oh, yeah. It is now. Is your name Churches? <laughs> yeah. So the rule is, if you're going to be a bad boy, have a better plan than a bike and three boxes of frozen chicken. Yeah. Maybe hand it off to somebody in a truck. You know? Something different. A little coordination. 
You could have done that whole thing better. You're Get right. a Sharpie You're right. and just like cross out the name churches. Put your own name. Put your own name. You know? He just easily could have written his own name. <laughs> Cliff. Cliff's. Cliff's chicken. Cliff's chicken. Cliff's frozen chicken <laughs> wings. Anyway. Pokemon, got, Pokemon update smart. for you. What? I know you're really addicted to the game. Love it. I've seen it. Police in Sherman, Texas say one man was arrested after a game of Pokemon turned violent last week. Sherman police say two men playing the game got into a fist fight near the courthouse because one man didn't agree with the other man's choice for a team. <laughs> in the game, there's a, I think it's red, blue, and yellow. Yeah, somebody wanted a different name? Someone, well, no, they, they picked red and they thought they, the other guy thought he should have picked blue and so uh. they got into a fight over it. <laughs> um, my, Mark Duggett, the owner of Magic Pro Shops in, uh, in a, join, a close town, he says he wasn't involved in the fight, but it was nice to see uh, what it was nice to show how Pokemon works. He goes, I've been excited about the game. I've been, I've been excited since it was announced. Lots of people on the streets. Police, uh, the fight is still under investigation. One of the men involved was arrested at the scene. Um, oh, he may have been intoxicated. Really? I didn't know if that added to the story or not. No, what do you mean? So they weren't just fighting senselessly. Yeah. They were fighting senselessly because they were intoxicated. Intoxicated. Yes, yes. Okay. Also, uh, Pokemon Go uh, at the University of Idaho, they have unveiled a new class. A new class called Pop Culture Games. Okay. Uh, In the class, which uh, counts towards a physical activity, so a PE requirement for graduation, features the smartphone game that gets players moving, including Pokemon Go and another one called Humans vs. Zombies. (laughs) Uh, Grad student Department of uh, Movement and Science employee Steve Bird is teaching the course. Bird says there is a far larger benefit to both apps than just the promise of physical activity. He goes, you you get to go, you get an adventure, you you get to adventure around, it's not really a thing, but uh, seeing different things, being active, seeing the sun Uh allows you to move in large groups and a team. You get not only physical activity, but you also get team building and leadership. Yeah. So on a campus in Idaho, you can, instead of like taking a physical education type of class requirement, Mm -hmm. you can just go play Pokemon Go. And... They're they're seeing it as equivalent to I don't know maybe a, a, a exercise class yes. a yoga class apparently the human versus zombies game already has a day long annual competition on campus uh huh so he incorporated it into his class the fall course turns up the competitive heat making human versus zombies a more of a year round endeavor for the kids <laughs> taking the class wow what's happening to us <laughs> it's a college course now. You can get credit. Sure. And I think everyone – we might be giving too much credit to Pokemon Go because it seems like before we start putting classes behind all of this, we might want to wait a month No, from its launch date. No. Do it all right now so when it collapses, we have all this infrastructure built. <laughs> That's nothing the problem. Nothing to, to use. It yeah. may not last – it may not stand the test of time. You know? It could – maybe it's just a fad. Hmm. I don't want to – be rude because it's such a great thing but just slow down everybody i've already stopped playing so you you quit yeah it's just it's it was just too much well wasn't it getting really in the way of your other stuff well usually yeah yeah like spidey spider-man day Mm -hmm, it is and i know you've been making a new outfit no 
Are you, were you going to veil? Were you going to unveil that today? Why? Why am I making a new outfit? Where did that come from? Spider Man Day. I'm not making a costume. They're not costumes. A uniform? They're outfits. An outfit? I'm not making an outfit. Okay. In denial. It's really hot outside. I'm not putting on. That's a, right. Denial. It a superhero outfit and running around. It's not the time or place. It's more of October, my birthday. So, so you're making it for your birthday? Uh, you know. You got to plan ahead. <laughs> there may be comic conventions coming to town and you want to be ready for them. Man. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, just keep your eyes open is all I'm saying. Did you hear about this guy? There's a new video out of a home intruder mm. watching as a couple oh. were asleep on the couch. I saw that. It was, I, I saw a it headline. Was, like, was it a ghost? Was it a ghost? No, or it was, was an a actual real person. home intruder oh. who stood up the stairs looking down at this couple on their couch for about five minutes watching them. Did he steal anything from the house? Um, I don't think so. Oh, so he just broke in to stare at him. Yeah. Huh. Uh, okay. You know how Ben, you always can find Ben like looking in my window of my office? Well, yeah. He like, wants you to invite him in. His face pressed against the window. Yeah. It felt like that to me. Okay. Just kind of like creepy, and every once in a while you look up and the guy's right there. Yeah. Well, if you'd let me in, I wouldn't do it. The, yeah, you would. Yeah. You're just looking for acceptance. That's all you want. I'll let you in. I'll let you in soon. Um, they just, it, but honestly, you got to watch it. It's on our Twitter page at uh, Doctor Matt Show. It's scary guy just standing there looking down. You can't see the couple because they're on the couch, but he's just just watching them. Mm. He climbed up on a balcony is how he got in. So he came from the second floor down. You got to lock your windows. Yeah. Windows and doors. I think they will now. And I I also think it's a really good sales point that you need video cameras in your home. Apparently. You can see exactly what's going on. Then you can see if your intruders are – if they're looking at you or what your intruders are doing while you're sleeping. You can't have enough data (laughs) on your intruders and what they're doing. But it's pretty creepy, and it it should make everybody a little bit a little bit nervous. We'll uh, we'll we'll post that. So be looking for that. We will take a break. When we come back, we will be getting into concussions. We've talked about them on the show many many times. But again, I think we think they're 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 mainly for athletes, right? People that are doing this head to head combat or competition. It, it's not true, folks. It could happen to you in a simple accident or an accident, and you you got to pay attention. Because you might miss some of the signs of a concussion, and then, boy, the impact it can have with you over time. We'll be talking with Stefania Barr about the, a very similar situation that happened to her and how it impacted and has impacted her life up to now. Stick with us, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show, helping you live longer. We'll be right back. music there from the band Shrink the Giant and uh, the vocals the main vocalist right there Steph, Stefania Barr is joining us 
Um, now listen to this. For years, brain injuries, severe brain injuries, have become uh, more and more talked about as a phenomenon among doctors and professionals, most commonly associated uh, with athletes. Uh, in the NFL, we, in the movie that came out about concussion. But in 2013, the American Medical Society for Sports Medicine released a position statement that estimated that as many as 3.8 million concussions occur within sports annually, with up to 50% of those concussions um, going unreported. So we wanted to talk concussions today, especially some of the signs, symptoms, and how you might have had a concussion and not even necessarily known it or had it diagnosed. Stefania Barr, the voice you just heard um, with the band, um, the Shrink the Giant band, um, she's joining us today. Stefania, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Now, tell us your story. You're not an athlete. You're a singer, a filmmaker, an actress, a band member. How'd you get the concussion? Well, I personally got my concussion in a car accident um just driving home on university parkway and rear-ended oh no way so just kind of a bumper just a just a little yeah, fender bender it was a little fender bender i didn't think there was anything wrong at first i was worried about my car yeah um i drive an old sturdy volvo so nothing actually really happened to the car um you know the fender's a steel beam right right but um in the in the accident i was whipped back and forth and and hit the back of my head and hit the front of my head and uh the real scary thing about the injury was i you know when your brain is damaged you can't necessarily realize that your brain is damaged we talk about concussions a lot in in context of sports and athletes but it's so easy to get a brain injury from you know a standard small bump on the head doing anything and you and you didn't pass out i didn't well i blacked out for just a second um because that's your brain your brain's gonna move your skull's not gonna give so your brain can move around in there get bruised get right have issues so then you didn't necessarily lose consciousness blacked out a bit I guess dealt with the accident. Yeah, I called the police, the did all yeah. that stuff, and and I didn't. You know, when I called nine one one, I was. They asked if we needed an ambulance, and I looked at myself. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not. not bleeding, yeah. so I don't think so. But I still had a friend pick me up and take me to the hospital. And uh, the really kind of distressing thing was uh, the way the emergency room folks treated the injury. You know, well, you hit your head, you'll be a little sore. Might have a headache tomorrow. Right. Just Rest for 24 hours and... Diminished it. Like, not a big deal. Put, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they did, you know, they did all these balance tests and and stuff like that. And I could tell I was completely off. And, you know, they shrugged their shoulders. Eh, that's all right. Eh. You're almost it's there. It's not bad. Yeah, it's close enough. It's wow. close enough. Did... So then you, you left the emergency room. They they said, you'll be better tomorrow. Tell us what... What happened? What what started showing you that this was more serious? Well, the next day um, was when I first really registered that I wasn't okay at all. Um, you know, symptoms of uh, of a concussion include headache, light sensitivity, dizziness, um, just immense fatigue, mm-hmm. and and just kind of a, a difficulty n- understanding what's happening around you, and. Uh, I I laid in bed that whole next day and just the pain was uh. unbearable and 
so I, I thought, okay, maybe it'll take another day to pass. It'll take another day to pass three or four days later. And I was not okay. But at the same time, I was injured and I couldn't necessarily comprehend that I needed more help. So I went to a family doctor and he said, yeah, I mean, you have a traumatic brain injury. So uh, that's what a concussion is. Uh, recommend pulling out of school and just just rest, you know, just sleep it off, just sleep it off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just just wait for the pain to pass. Draw the blinds and oh. don't think. Wow. And and. If you've had, you know, an injury before where you have to lay in bed, you can watch TV, you yeah. can read. My my recovery process was don't think. Yeah. And that's it, impossible. It's impossible and it it was it was incredibly tedious for weeks. Oh, and it, weeks. It, it and months. probably it seems like you'd be kind of alone in this because you don't look injured. It's not like Mom or dad could come change the dressings. Absolutely, it's, you're just you're you're there in your head, right? And that's that's the true difficulty of an injury like this. Um, nobody else can see it. Yeah, and um, it took months, months and months and months for me to finally find a doctor who could who could really help me, and and confirm to the rest of the people in my life that I what that I wasn't just going crazy. That's one of the main things that I worry about um, with head injuries and people not realizing they have an injury and people in their lives not realizing that they have an injury. Um, I lost a lot of friends. I lost a lot of people that mattered to me because they thought I was just going crazy. Oh, wow. With post-concussive syndrome, um, you are physiologically irrational. You are harsh. You, um, your, your personality completely changes. So there, there are all these things that are going on inside of you and you can't really tell I mean, you know, you're you're not right, but it's just such a difficult thing, and and nobody can see it. Well, and you couldn't even perform your art. You you probably were losing everything. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we had so we had all these contractually booked shows during that time, and you know, everybody's like, well, you know, you, you got in an accident, but you're okay. You're you fine. can you take can, some ibuprofen. Yeah, you could do this. <laughs> you're all right. And, and so I tried. Oh, I tried wow. really hard. Um, but that very first show after the accident, I mean, my energy levels were so low. I couldn't connect with the audience. And then all those shows thereafter, you know, trying to remember the lyrics to these songs that I had written, my own lyrics, I couldn't remember how, how they went. Oh, no. I couldn't remember where to come in. And, you know, I was having panic attacks, yeah. anxiety and yeah. depression, mental illness that comes with, with a brain injury. Um, I mean, your brain is entirely restructured. You're trying to find um, new pathways in your mind. What happened, um, especially with the whiplash injury, was the way the way uh, my doctors have described it is where the spinal cord connects to the the brain, neural synapses were unplugged. Oh, boy. So it's like you just have a yeah. bunch of plugs in the wall and you just pull them right out. And so then your your brain is trying to fire and make sense of things, but right. there are no pathways for it to go on. Oh. And and it's just a a very frightening, very lonely, very confusing thing. And it's all from a fender bender. All from a fender bender and and. You know, lots of people bump their head. Yeah. Lots of people, you know, Fall, small, slip, small things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh and they heavens. might not realize that they're injured and they're damaged. And if you notice somebody or you notice yourself after 
something small, not acting like themselves, you definitely need to get checked by somebody who knows what they're doing. Go to go in. I mean, make a big deal about it. Go in and say this happened a few days ago. She's not getting better. This, this, we need to be serious about it. Let's take a break. We're speaking again with Stefania Barr, and uh, in a minute we're going to bring in two of her bandmates from Shrink the Giant. I want to hear what they saw happening and then how you've been able to recover. I want to hear about the recovery story. Stick with us, folks. Helping you live longer uh, by better detecting um, your brain injuries. Come on. Let's, <laughs> let's live healthier. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're listening to the band Shrink the Giant, and uh, in the band is Stefania Barr. We've been talking with Stefania about a head injury that occurred in just a little fender bender, um, and now a year and a half later, she's still suffering from it, and some of the some of the, the residual effects of, uh, of a brain injury. Joining us also are two other members of the band, John Christian Barr and uh, Oakley Hill, both band members of uh, Shrink the Giant. Welcome, all of you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Great to have you. Um, now, Stefania, you were telling me in the break, year and a half later, you're still suffering the impact of this. Yeah. I mean, the brain is not a, a minor or unimportant organ in Seems the like body. Seems like a very important organ. <laughs> it's, it's pretty important. It's up there easily in the top three. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Um, but no, after, after an injury like this, um, it takes about three years for your brain to fully restructure and build uh, neural wow. pathways back up again. So, um, like those neurons back in, like you yeah, were saying. Yeah, yeah, get, get it back on. How did um, you guys in the band, what are you st- thinking, Stefania, has just a little fender bender? Like, who hasn't had a fender bender? Mm-hmm. What were you both thinking when she's struggling remembering her lines, she can't come back and play? How did that impact you guys? Well, I don't even know. At first, I don't even think we connected it to the car wreck because it, it, it so didn't minor. seem like right. a serious car wreck. You know, her car was her car was fine, even if it's a Volvo. Stefania, right? Yeah, those never even dent. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I honestly didn't notice a lot right off the bat. Other than yeah, we went through a couple of shows and and she's like, I forgot my lyrics just now or whatever. Wow! And I noticed she was. She's definitely a little bit more punchy with band members. Oh, I was so irritable. Were you? And this is your brother saying that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's that was huge. I was just, I was just. People just thought I was being an awful person. And, <laughs> they had no you're, idea. You're the like pain turning I into a diva. In. <laughs> She's right. turning into a diva. We've always joked about her being the diva in the band. So <laughs> she, she was actually. <laughs> so she was just playing the role. So we were yeah. like nothing new. Yeah, the diva jokes definitely increased. After <laughs> it's the so sad track. because yeah. it, it's funny you, you're going through this, but they're thinking you're just turning into a diva. And you don't even you didn't even fully know what was happening. Oh yeah, that's that's a true difficulty in this, and people just don't you know they can't see it, so they don't understand what's happening. How long did it take you to get a really a strong diagnosis, a proper diagnosis that that made, that you felt comfortable with knowing how to move forward? It took me about five months to wow. get into somebody. Um, I I went to this. It was like my second or third phys- physical therapist, um, who. 
I had issues with my eyeballs tracking things, and that was part of the there's a sign the problem. Yeah, so but that was the very first time he he moved my eyeballs back and forth. You know, yeah. wa- let me watch his him track his finger back and forth, and uh, showed my mom, and she could see the difference. You know, one of my eyeballs is bouncing around, and that was the very first time anybody was able to look at me and say, "Oh my goodness." You're not you're not faking it. You're yeah. not just trying to get attention. This is actually something serious. That was like, and that's a physical therapist. You had been to MDs. You had mm-hmm. been to emergency rooms, and they weren't even diagnosing it. Right. And then a physical therapist catches it later. Physical therapist caught it, and then I was finally able to get, get into an actual doctor who was, you know, a huge part of recovering from something like this is emotional right because first of all you are going to have the damage of Mm -hmm. people not believing you and and the gaslighting thing that goes on that's it's very painful um and then also you know i kind of mentioned it before depression and anxiety and ptsd those are those are huge factors um when you hurt your brain yeah and and learning how to you know take a moment and meditate and and relax and take a breath and and uh, not push yourself too hard. I've always been such a workaholic, so it was um, learning how to relive. It was crazy. Yeah, well, and, and, and find yourself. Who, who are you going to be now? Oh, exactly. That was that was a massive part of it yeah. because so much of who how I defined myself was based on, uh, you know, I graduated high school with an associate's degree and and released my first album. You when were I was on seventeen. Top of it. Oh yeah, I was such I was such a hard worker and I just accomplishment, accomplishment, accomplishment. That was who Stefania Barr was. Right. But um, as soon as I had all that stripped away from me, I, I learned so much more about you know who I am is based on how I treat other people and. And, uh, you know, my value is, is – it has to come from something mm-hmm. other than the things that I do. That's huge. That's huge. Um, Jean-Christian, what do you see I mean, as a, as a brother, a relative, and you see your sister going through this? When she finally got the diagnosis and it was more clear what was going on, what went through your head? I suppose at first it was just the realization that it was something more serious than I had noticed yeah. right off the bat because – it, I suppose a lot of the exterior symptom, exterior uh, manifestations were just sort of behavior, emotional, mm-hmm. and it's we. Did, I, I didn't really connect it to her injury. A lot of it was also just kind of withdrawing from things. I mean, it makes sense since her, you know, treatment was supposed to be lie in bed, don't think, you know, it, which is almost just letting yourself go in a way mentally. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so I didn't notice the depression. I didn't notice the I mean it was a very surface level thing. I noticed right. a little bit more irritability, a little bit more for forgetfulness, but for the most part I didn't notice anything off the bat. And I was able to more I was able to sympathize with her to a greater degree after I knew the seriousness of what she was going through. Yeah. Okay, what would you say to everyone else out there that has a friend going through this? I would say be patient. Um, if <clears throat> I, I, I think your friendship will be tested a, a, a bit just because there will be a little bit more irritability. But, but, I but would say stick with it. Yeah, stick with it. Um, how's the band doing? Are you, are you getting everything back now? Is Stefania? Do you feel like you're finding your groove again? Yeah, finally. You know, a year and a half later, we just released a new music video for our song "Fast and Far," single with an acoustic B side, and uh, 
you know, being able to work on that stuff again and and uh, make the plans, get ready to go and get ready for for uh, playing shows again. I'm really excited. You're gonna you're coming back and you'll have and your head's your head's healing. Yeah, everything's healing and and we're in a better place than we were before. Plus, you got the diva on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And is it is it true, Oakley, that you're dating Caitlin, our producer? That's true. I'm I'm dating Caitlin. <laughs> um, do we need to have an interview? I, I, just stay after one. What, we'll what have a kind of interview? I just want to. I just want to find out what your intentions are. <laughs> okay. It's a trap. It's a trap. Don't do it. Well, guys, it sounds like great. You've got a great sound in Shrink the Giant. They can find you on YouTube, and they can go buy your iTunes, Spotify, iTunes. all the places you can. I, you know, find us on Facebook Everywhere. and Twitter. See, Stefania, you remember Internet. all of that stuff. Yeah, I do. I do remember your things now. Your brain works perfect now. Finally. <laughs> thank you, guys. Uh, Shrink the Giant, thank you so much. And Stefania, thanks for sharing your story. Thank you, Matt. Much success. We wish you much success. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll be visiting our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us, friends. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. What better tune to use to bring into our next guest, the, our buddies down at BYU Sports Nation, than the Muppets. Uh, Spencer and Jeremy are joining us. Hello, gentlemen. Animal! <laughs> that is perfect. You guys, animal! I, I love animal. <laughs> I, knew, <laughs> I knew that would get you going. Come on. You guys... You've got more sounds in you than the Muppets. We do like some uh, impersonation moments, don't we? Not that we're good at them. We just like we them. We just do them. No, you are. Hey, listen, half of the allure of our show is that you t- tune in, you're like, those guys think they're funny. Yeah. Those you're guys. Like, we're hilarious to each other. <laughs> and then everyone else nope. is like, what? We're just watching them laugh. Mm-hmm. It's just fun to watch delusional people laugh at themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, so I, didn't, hilarious. I didn't go that far. <laughs> I didn't say delusional. Hey, um, uh, you guys, it's so much to wait. talk about. No, you're not joking, man. Yeah, here's Okay, do, do you tell me. Do we want to go... Do you guys know what a flyboard is? A flyboard? Uh-huh. Uh, no, but I'm, things, so I'm imagining ahead. like this sticky paper on the wall that catches flies. Not even close. I was out on okay. the lake and I had my flyboard. No, but that's exactly that. right. I went fishing and I had my flyboard. That's it, a flyboard? I was in my house and I had my flyboard. Like, there's so many situations. <laughs> you've seen a flyboard. I know you've seen them. It's like, it's like a skateboard that connects to a tube and the tube of water connects to a jet ski and it what shoots jet ski water out the bottom of the board. Have you ever seen that? I'm Googling it right now. So in the lake, you're standing on a a hoverboard-looking thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, those things. Okay, we just looked them up. So here's the deal. A a boat caught on fire at a Minnesota lake. This Mm -hmm. boat is on fire! (laughs) Keep going. Exactly. They were singing that very song. And some guy on a flyboard says, I'll take care of it. And he, he flew over there and put out the fire... By flying the flyboard over the boat. With, because water is shooting out from out, underneath. Out, out from the bottom of the flyboard. There is a flyboard, too, <laughs> that uh, doesn't have any of that water. It's basically just like a, like a drone that you fly with. I'm watching that, too. Okay. Like where he's basically just flying standing on a drone. 
Okay, funny, funny thing you brought up a drone because that's another story I wanted to ask you about. So I want to know, would you rather have a flyboard or a drone? There's a special drone that we found that, um, that uh, people that have lost an animal, like if your cat has died, yeah. you can actually have your cat turned into a drone. And they'll 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 basically Worth taxidermy, yeah, or roadkill on the side of the road. They can turn any animal. They'll taxidermy it and then turn it into a hover like a, a drone craft. That sounds like a horrible spinoff of Pet Cemetery. It, it is. It is. <laughs> so, do you love your animal enough to turn it into a drone? No. No. <laughs> Let the animal rest in peace. No, but what if it's what if it was one that had a lot of energy in it? Oh, man. What if it was like jumping all over everything? Wouldn't it be neat? The kids, you bury it, you thought in the backyard, but you really took it to the taxidermist and then flew it and it became a Christmas gift. Can you imagine your kids opening that? Look, kids, (laughs) mittens is back forever. (laughs) Hit it. (laughs) (laughs) Look at mittens fly. (laughs) This is like the classic cat name, dude. (laughs) Mittens. Mittens. Oh, look at mittens take a dive. Christopher Watkins like mittens, <laughs> mittens. <laughs> I knew you'd do voices. I didn't know you'd go to Christopher Walken. So, guys, you're still doing your show, right? We are doing our show. Are you, we it, are doing a show today. <laughs> go, Christopher. Is uh, are you guys going to have mittens on the show today? No mittens. Okay, nope. mittenless. Nope, that's coming up later. What's what's BYU what's ready? going to be on your show? <laughs> I don't even know. I'm just too busy thinking about Green Goblin guy uh, <laughs> <laughs> flying around on his, on his hover drone. Boy. <laughs> Let's now see. You. Here's what we're talking about. Oh. ESPN and Fox aren't happy about potential Big 12 expansion. This is – it we'll, could we'll it tell get you weird. What, what they're yes. not happy about and how this affects BYU. Okay. I think I know. BYU has better. We have better video for our show in eight minutes and sixteen seconds. See, they don't like the idea because BYU Sports Nation has a better show than ESPN might produce. That's exactly wrong. Okay, (laughs) I was just checking. Just checking. Precisely off. Precisely. That is not it. (laughs) Okay. Okay. That's that's a cool tease. Oh, this is yeah. It's look. It's big money, major league money, and so you had to think there was going to be some backlash somewhere. And it's just coming to the forefront because of uh, an article that was released by Sports Business Journal. Mm. Really fascinating stuff. Okay. This will be good. Brian Logan is also on the show. It's not often that Jerem and Brian and myself get to hang out together. Yeah, that's exciting. No, this is it happens re- a lot in the fall. Yeah. but so, so you guys are just trying to get geared up for the fall in 100 days. We, we don't worry. Two months. We, yeah. Not the season, per se. You know. Okay. We want to give – yeah. Fall yeah. camp starts Friday, by the way, for Brigham Young University football. It's you know, an American football team. Why don't, why don't the three of you have a little race, a little foot race? Brian would destroy us. I know. It would be great video, though. Yeah, maybe he'd pull a hammy, though. That's true. Win. Good point. Pull a good point. hammy. Got to watch out for the hammy pull. Hey, good news. Last weekend was the last weekend without football in the year 2016. Yeah! <sighs> Woo! Let's give it up for that. Yep. Woo! You an guys early, did it. An early rise and yeah. shout to that. Yeah. <laughs> Was that a missile or was that the Cougar? <laughs> uh, yes, from U571. It sounded like a missile, yeah, from U571. From U2. <laughs> anything else on the show? Do we need anything else no. besides what no. we have already no, 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 discussed? No, 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 You've covered it perfectly. Holy cow. Christopher Are you Walken? not entertained? <laughs>
Christopher Walken will be on the show, right? <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna play. Yeah, we're gonna play the game. Would you rather? As well. It's uh. always fun. Would you rather freeze or burn to death? No, we're not. <laughs> no, we won't discuss that one. But it's more like, would you rather play on FS1 or ESPNU? Yeah, or would you rather be forced to watch My Big Fat Greek Wedding Two or Sharknado Four? <laughs> Wow. That's an actual question in there. That's Those true. are good questions. <laughs> this cake, that's going to be another great segment, of course. Okay. We're locked and loaded, ready well, to go. All right. You, we'll, we'll give you time to go wax then. Thank you. Guys, so proud of you. Thanks for being a part of the show. And come out when you're done. Come watch me fly my uh, eight-year-old dog, Buddy. <laughs> okay. Passed away. About, Animal! <laughs> passed away about four years ago. <laughs> Have a good show, gentlemen. Bye. Knock him dead. Boy, Animal. He was my favorite, my favorite cartoon or character on Muppets because he's out of control. Animal. So there you have it. The flyboard, imagine that. You're just – your boat is on fire and some guy's like, dude, let me get that. And out of nowhere, he's flying through the air with the greatest of ease and he doesn't even have a trapeze. Sprays your boat, fire out. That's the future of firefighting. In the water, flyboards, mark it down. For all fires that are caught in the water, that will be the solution. Right. You don't even need a fire truck. You don't need a fire extinguisher. You got a flyboard. That's why you'll make big money. If you, that's what you ought to do when you retire from radio, Ben. Don't go yeah. with ice cream. Flyboard. Flyboard, fire safety. Yeah. Be a flyboard firefighter. Plus, it's fun for everybody. Did you hear this crazy story about uh, these young kids? They were caught on a video playing basketball in a busy Houston intersection. Roland Zapita, 18, was taken into custody Monday for outstanding warrants, police said. The other man seen in the video, Edward Joseph Gonzalez, 25, is still on the run. Police are investigating the charge of obstructing a highway. They, so they stopped traffic, and they were caught on camera shooting hoops with a children's basketball goal blocking a busy intersection. I'm going to bet this was a YouTube video in the making. Stop traffic, played a game, cops came in, one of them ran, hadn't had a warrant, and he was busted, and the other one's still on the loose. But he ought to be easy to find because he's probably carrying a basketball hoop, a little kid's basketball hoop. Very true. So, Kids will do anything to get on YouTube these days. Oh, I'm telling so. you. So, in fact, in our social media, that's our social media expert, Sadie, telling us that. It's, it's the truth, everyone. I've done my research, and uh, this is what our world's coming to. And she also has experience with that. Yeah, yeah. Did you see her basketball hoop? Oh, my gosh. It was, it was a real back, basketball hoop. I know. Though. It was huge. I should be on BYU Sports Nation, not here. I'm in the wrong place now. You have no idea how right you are about that. <laughs> you have no idea. Um, so these, that's the problem. Nowadays, everything can end up on YouTube and – even the cops get involved in some of these now because they become part of the video. What do you do with these kids? Why aren't they playing Pokemon? Why aren't they in Rio looking for Zikachu? That's a new one. I've never heard of that one. The Zikachu. It's one of the hardest Pokemon to get. It, you have to be in the South, mm-hmm. South America, and you have to get bit by a mosquito. There have been a couple of Zikachus caught in North America, though. Yeah. There's yeah. more and more Zika chews being right. seen in North Specifically America. Specifically in Utah, I've heard too. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Utah yeah. was one of the first Zika chew people. <sighs> anyway, we always like to end the show with a hero story. You ready for some hero moments? Here we go. 
This is out of uh, KUTV News in Salt Lake City. Uh, Texas Corporal Patrick Ray has stayed friends with the little girl he saved almost a year ago. Now she is celebrating the anniversary of the rescue and their friendship with a tea party. He met toddler Bexley when he saved her from choking on a coin. His body camera caught him resuscitating her. It was the most beautiful sound I've ever heard in my entire life, said Ray of Bexley's breathing. Bexley's mother never wants to forget the impact he has had on her family. This is the day I will celebrate because I have her, said Tammy Norvell. She hired a professional photographer to capture her daughter and her favorite police officer. Bexley is asked uh, who she would like to pray for every day, and her answer is always Officer P. Ray. Her brother has uh, has joined her in saying prayers for the officer. The night of Dallas shooting, he asked if Officer P. Ray was okay, said Norville. I wasn't ready for that question from my five-year-old. She realized that there's a lot of negativity pointed towards police, but she is hoping these pictures show how she sees the officers. I want people to have an image of a sweeter side. One picture from a photo shoot was liked over 1,200 times. Ray is expecting to get teased about the tea party, but he says he doesn't mind. I can watch her get married. I can watch her have a family, he said. She could have lost her life that day, and I got super lucky. So to uh, Texas Corporal, Police Corporal Patrick Ray, you're the hero of the day, not just for saving a girl uh, a few a year ago, but instead for being willing to go through the tea party and representing all the officers out there for doing what they can every day to save lives. Folks, uh, count yourself blessed just to be able to live in the United States, to have the choices you do. Of course, we can always do better, and uh, that that can start with each and every one of us. So let's make it a great one. Our goal uh, of the show is to help you live longer, love stronger. We'll be back again tomorrow. You can find us on iTunes, on TuneIn. Go find us on BYURadio.org. Send these uh, sh- the shows. Forward them on to your friends. I'm telling you, folks, uh, we're here to help one way or another and to help you see the good in the world. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, make it a great one and take care of each other. We'll talk tomorrow.